Yeah. I'm Pollyanna McIntosh. You're watching Below the Belt. The Below the Belt show is closed caption for the hearing impaired. It is now time for the bad boys of Baltimore. Pimps up. Goes down. Al Soto, a.k.a. Celebrity Soto, your host with the most bourbon in hand, and joining you from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh, from the comfort of my own hotel. Uh, as you know, actors have to be at different locations at a moment's notice. So let's go ahead and introduce an amazing panel that we've accomplished for tonight's episode. Starting with, that's right, he is cosplayer extraordinaire. He is production hand extraordinaire. He's also known as hardcore bloodshot podcaster extraordinaire as well. Jesse Fresco. Good to have you back again. on TV, Jesse. I'm back. Yes, I'm back again. Awesome. Also joining us on BTB for the second time. Actor extraordinaire. You can see him in Wonder Woman 1984. You can see him in an upcoming Hulu series. And I know I'm missing more. Um, Turf Valley. This is a guy that I strive to be like because the guy is booking left and right. (laughs) Vince Eisenson, welcome back to Below the Belt Show. Thank you. It is great to be back here. Great to see everybody. Yes, you're also calling in remotely via hotel, right? That's right. Living that yes. life. Yeah. We are representing Pennsylvania from Philadelphia to Wait the a second. You're in Pennsylvania right now. You're also in Pennsylvania. I guess we're going to have to introduce the other voice. He's also an actor. He is joining us via audio only because he so is I'm not- a force ghost, and you have to re- refer to me as a force ghost. Oh, you are a force, force ghost. Yes. And a former Sith Lord, he is Paul Darth Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, good to have you back. Nice to meet you guys. It's good to have you back on PTB. Yeah, it's been a while. So all of us have that in common. A lot of uh, uh, three of three of the four of us are actors, and Jesse, you're a production man extraordinaire doing. Mm. Electric grip and Jesse, you actually thought about actually jumping in front of the camera, didn't you? You thought about maybe giving acting a shot, huh? I thought about it. It's you know, because you know, it, I could try it, maybe see how it goes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I have enough ins that I could I could possibly attempt it if I so feel 
feel inclined. Uh, but I have yeah. a lot of other projects that have come up recently, so I might push that off for a bit. Okay, so. that's completely fair. We'll Since you're telling me you caught the bug early in life. Yeah, man. I you wanted I to be an actor since you're very young. I got it way too early, and you know, I can't. I tried all the ivermectin I could take, and I just can't get it out of my system. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> if there's one trend that I am sick of seeing, it's idiots taking anything other than the prescribed medications from the fucking FDA. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> God, don't knock it till you try it. Come on, oh, <laughs> Vince. I, I see you also have an adult beverage. Adult beverages are encouraged on Below the Belt Show. Paul and Jesse, uh, I am, hey, I'm working out. I, I'm sorry, I'm not drinking anything right now. Just energy drink. Okay, Darth uh, Darth Paul. When did you get the bug for acting? Um, I've always done stunts, and I did uh, YouTube years ago, and just comedy stuff. I mean, that's pretty much it. Okay. I mean, I, I would say maybe about 15, 20 years ago, something like okay. that. Okay. All right. So all of us have uh, relatively uh, been in this industry for, for quite a minute. So, uh, yeah, man, it's just uh, it's a fun industry. Um, I guess I can see I'm on the um, set of um, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air drama reboots. That makes sense. I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> yeah, it actually became a series based on a viral YouTube video where they tried to, and and it's actually simply called Bel Air. They, they dropped the Fresh Prince, okay. and they're not doing the comedy route. They're doing a serious drama for this project. So huh. a little bit of a different genre for the show. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you know what you're going to be doing? I think I, you know, I guess I think. Saying what I, I'm working on might be enough at this time, maybe. Well, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you've got NDAs you've you've signed. You can't say That's much true. more than that. Yeah. I, know how, <laughs> I don't know, I know if I know technically signed anything, but just for for safe measures. Um, yeah. But uh, I mean, if you think about it, where else would I be? Uh, for you know, it, it is the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and and it, as the lyrics go, you know, from West Philadelphia, born and raised. Yeah. On the playground is where I spent most of my days. So, <laughs> so nonetheless, guys, man, this is a lot of cool stuff to talk about in the world of entertainment, man. But before I, I we get into all the, all the cool things, because a lot of us saw Shang Chi in the room, which is awesome. We're going to be talking about that. We also um, do not have a um, a guest joining us live tonight. I actually have some great pre-recorded interviews, starting with our final. In-person interviews from Awesome Con with John Morton. You might know him as Dak, who uh, was a rebel fighter in uh, Empire Strikes Back, who sadly met its fate, but also had the pleasure of being a body double stand-in for Boba Fett, Jeremy Bullock, in mm -hmm. Empire Strikes Back as well. So he has the distinction of being two Star Wars characters, um, you know, I don't think many. I think Warwick Davis might be one of the few yeah. that have been yeah, he's, more than he, one character. Yeah, he's he was in. He has a small cameo in episode one, and he also uh, is is what was Wicket in the was Wicket Return, in Return, Return of the Jedi. Jedi. Yep, and he also yep. had a small. He uh, Wicket appears again in. Um, is it what, what's the most recent one? Rise of Skywalker. Oh, the, Rise of Skywalker. The, the, the really bad one. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> really, really bad one. I thought the middle one was the really bad one. I that no, one has one. grown on me a lot considering how bad the last one is. 
Well, let's we, we the grade Darth, them on a curve. Let let, let the Darth uh, Darth Wallace. Where, where, where do you lay in on between Last Jedi and like Rise of Skywalker? The rumor is all that's a pocket universe. I just want to think that's true and going to happen because I don't oh, yeah, like yeah. They, they any confirm. of the three. I the think first one was the yeah. best of the bunch, but that was still a reissue of what they did before. Yeah, yeah, it was. And it's interesting enough, I did ask Dak, John Morton, who, uh, actually, what, which of the, the new movies, the new iteration of Star Wars was his favorite. So that will be, be revealed uh, in our in-person interview. Um, also, um, at the end of the program in a pre-recorded interview, I, I talked to um, independent filmmaker Michelle Bossy. Uh, along with the star of her film, actress Malka Wallach, it's a short film called Klutz, which is making its waves in the independent film circuit. It was a part of the Dances with Films Festival at the famed Chinese theater in Los Angeles. That's and cool. it's an interesting, uh, very cool supernatural uh, elements with universal themes, basically, where the character who's a first time novelist. Um, Loses her sister, and as a result of her grief, develops, um, I don't know if you can call it power, it's more like an anti-power, where she's clumsy, mm. and, she, and and gravity um, is not in the equation with anything she does. So she can defy gravity, and she she, she lets gravity get the, the worst of her, um, so basically that's where the, the, the title of the film comes in. It's a very, very clever, heartwarming film, and... Uh, also stars uh, Jeffrey Owens. You might know him from The Cosby Show and a lot of – he got a kind of a re- career resurgence in um, Tyler Perry's um, productions. He had a very interesting story, Jeffrey Owens. He was getting job shamed working at a Trader Joe's because, mm-hmm. that, you know – I mean, obviously, you know, you hit fame at one point at some – you know, yeah. not everyone can maintain their success as an actor. And sometimes you have to do the jobs, you know, um, to make ends meet. And I think it was really fair that he was, you know, kind of um, bullied because he worked at Trader Joe's. He was just trying to make a decent living. And it actually ended up being, because of that, beneficial to his career. Yeah, he got a job because Tyler Perry saw it and said, I'm going to give you a job. Come on down to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Work. yep. So Jeffrey Owens is in this film as well. There you go. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be at the end of the program. So. Wow, so lots of stuff to talk about. Let's start with movies, but you know what? What the heck? Let's start with our Hollywood news theme, as we like to do on Below the Belt show. So here we go. It is time for the Hollywood Report. That's hot. That's bananas. That's off the chain. Yeah, that's Benji and Joel. Maryland's own. I don't know if you guys knew this. From Waldorf, Maryland. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, man. Those, we we kind of sort of ran in similar circles back in the uh, punk days and the, the band days. As Vince, you know, uh, had a little early stint in my life playing guitar and bass, and uh, which is a lot of fun. That's right. But um, you know what? Before now, I, I I I know I had to mention this before we got into entertainment. But I guess, I guess technically falls into entertainment, but. Uh, I got to work with Vince on, on a really awesome web series 
called Turf Valley. It's a union um, web series. A shout out to um, the Brucers, uh, especially uh, Thomas, who uh, got me, uh, who reached out to me to um, to work on the film in a, a day player role um, as a bass player for Vince's character's band. So we're actually in the same band uh, called Lemon Gentleman. Lemon Gentleman, yeah. <laughs> and Vince, you actually have no experience in guitar, right? So you kind of had to kind of be self-taught i guess as soon as you got yeah started. i was i was really nervous about that because they said we're gonna we're gonna help you fake it but even faking the guitar really well is actually very hard so yeah i was glad we had some great musicians like al and the other band <laughs> members who we can cut to during that song so it's not all <laughs> on me well i didn't know how to sing the falsetto line open the uh, spaceship door Basically, I felt like I was kicked in the nuts to hit that high note. Um, <laughs> Paul Wallace, actually, Darth Wallace, you have some experience in the music realm as well, don't you? Darth Wallace? Darth Wallace, are you still yeah. with us? I think we lost him. <laughs> All right, we lost the Sith Lord, but I'm sure he'll be rejoining us. Um, but I, I do, I mean, he is a rock star. He's easy. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun, Vince. And uh, of course, we can check out more on Turf Valley. The official website, turfvalleyshow.com, I believe. Is that the... Yeah, that sounds right. Does that sound right? Okay, cool. <laughs> That's the one, yeah. And it's great because, you know what, we were talking about Turf Valley, and I was talking about auditioning for the show a while back, and, you know, when Vince, you had told me that they were looking for actors, particularly those that can play guitar, you know, or any other instruments, and then I was like, okay, cool. And uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, as far as I know, you're the you're the only guy who, who auditioned that did get brought back for another role. So more props what? to you. Yeah, I think you're the only one. Yeah, you're the only one. <laughs> oh, well, cool. That's a, it was that um, a producer statement or an observation on your part? Uh, a bit of both. A bit okay, of both. cool. Hey, man, I'll take it. I will gladly take it. <laughs> All right. Can you hear me now? There you I are. can hear you now. Yes. Okay. Yeah, we had to get this. I think you were on mute. <laughs> okay. Well, we were talking about like, you know, all all of us are actors here, but we're talking about musical background. And if I recall, Darth Wallace, you're also a musician as well, aren't you? Um, I'm more of a singer. I mean, I I okay, really yeah. have, and I, I've read my own music before, but um, I really don't play the instruments well. I I do drums sometimes, but it's okay. like. I usually leave that to people who are a lot better than me. Okay, but you do sing. Yes, that's I still, do. Sing. That's a vocal instrument. You know. Yeah, um, oh, you do play the skin flute, though. I heard. <laughs> uh, play very I, well. Oh yeah. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, going into entertainment, guys. So, you know what? We've been hearing a lot about movies that are getting pushed. Um, forward in the calendar but it's good to hear of a movie getting pushed back to dropping a little earlier um this is the case with carnage so we're actually going to see carnage on october 1st instead of october they, they pushed 15th. it then they pushed it back <laughs> yeah but Where now they're it? pushing it pushing it what's the right term pushing it forward push it, or pushing push it, it push it okay. they pushed it back and then they pushed it forward <laughs> Forward is early. Okay, so now it's probably to cash in on the Shang Chi success. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah, the exactly. Marvel success. They're to cash in on that. 
Yep, yep, yep. So uh, it's, it's all one good. big universe. We promise, guys. Yes, yes, sure. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, the, the date has been, you know, moved around quite a bit, but um, yeah, this is going to be roughly one month after, a little less than a month, than uh, the big movie Shang Chi, which we're going to be talking about very shortly. But uh, you know, Venom was a huge success, eighty million um, at the box office. Um, eight hundred million. Well, eighty million opening. Oh, opening, yeah. It made and total then, like eight hundred. The and then eight hundred fifty-six worldwide, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. I don't know but, if it necessarily deserved that. <laughs> was you know, cool? Venom got Venom got a bad rap. I remember there was this whole contingent of people that were like, "That was the best 2014 movie I've seen in seven years." 2014 is being generous. <laughs> or 2004, whatever it no, was. Right. 1999. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> but dude, I liked it. I really dug it. Oh, it was... I, I I enjoyed a lot of Venom, yeah. but I I will acknowledge it's not a good movie. <laughs> it's very bad. <laughs> but let's talk about what is a good movie. But, yeah. The movie yeah. that we just saw, Shang Chi. So Vince, Jesse, myself have seen it. Darth, you have not seen it yet. I have not seen it, but I do know uh, the star of it. I mean, I did stunts <laughs> a couple times, but oh, you did do stunts of it. Okay, very cool. It's, You're talking about Simu. Are you talking about the lead in Simu Liu? Yes. Very cool. Very cool. Oh, okay. He's well, a pretty cool down to earth guy, but I mean, I, as I said, I haven't worked with him in a while, so. Okay. I don't think well, Kim, let's let's talk about a review of Shang Chi. Um, let's start with you, Vince. You just got out of theater, so it's fresh yeah. in your mind. I literally just saw it, and I was like, kind of checking my watch because I was like, oh, I got to make the podcast. So it literally, the end or the the post credit scene ended at eight forty nine, mm-hmm. and I. Dove in my car to get here. So anyway, it is fresh. I appreciate, I appreciate the uh, the um, effort. <laughs> oh no, it's totally totally worth it. Um, so not to spoil, I did love the the the. Oh, big... we're gonna talk spoilers. I mean, <laughs> are we allowed to talk spoilers? Well, you know, I keep it vague enough. I keep it vague. It's not like we saw it. a sneak peek. The the it was a it was a na- it was a national release this weekend. That's Everyone true. who could see it can see it. So we can talk about some specifics from the I'll film. I'll kind of but... say I loved the the big cameo that I did not know was going to be in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which, which became more than a cameo. I was kind of yeah. like, how okay, do you well, So we can't be that vague and not mention So go ahead okay. and mention which cameo you're alluding well, to. Well, I, I'm talking about Oscar-winning actor who might have played Gandhi. Is that too much? <laughs> no, you can't. Okay. I think you I get it. it. You can mention it. About... <laughs> a major Oscar-winning actor who shows up in what I thought would be just one scene, and then is in like the rest a of the movie. good chunk of the movie. Yeah. So and that you're was... alluding to. Can I? Uh, yeah, the... yeah. You can say it. You can tell. The Mandarin, it. who is the original, the... Ben Kingsley. The original. Sir ben Kingsley. Yes. Yes. Boom. Right they were... there. They that, fixed that was Iron Man three. <laughs> that was impressive. We also saw. A cameo with Benedict Wong, Wong himself, which is really cool. Uh, We saw Abomination, which I needed a refresher because he is the evil Hulk. Um, Yeah, yeah. That Incredible Hulk movie that everyone forgot about. Yeah, yes, exactly. (laughs) Everyone hates that movie. Yeah, who? Wait, he was the one fighting Wong at the beginning. Yeah, yes, that's him. Oh, I didn't get that. Okay. Yeah. He looks a little different from the way he looked in the uh, in the Incredible Hulk. He looks a little bit more like the comic character. Is it yeah. in the? Yeah, back when they did the Incredible Hulk, they were still not uh, 
financially independent Marvel Studios. They were still depending on other companies. So Paramount was co-producing that. So that why that's why it was kind of like sort of disconnected from everything else. It was off in its own little section yeah. for a little while. Eventually they got the rights back and they put it put it all into the MCU. Yeah. So. And there are two more cameos in a post credit scene, but we'll get to that a little later. Um, let's just talk about the, the the film as a whole first before we get into the end credits. But uh, it was brilliant. I loved it. Um, cinematography was gorgeous. The action scenes kept you on the edge of your seat. Uh, the bus scenes, I mean, mm-hmm. um, the, all the way to the dragon battle scenes um, were were were, were um, amazing. And, and I loved how, you know, I wasn't really expecting a, kind of a mystical, magical wor- world behind that waterfall. And yep. then we see all these like magical creatures and I'm just like, wow, this kind of took me by surprise. So that was kind of a, a nice little surprise element because they didn't put any of those creatures in the trailer. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I was led to believe this is a very reality-based, to a degree, um, superhero film. Because, you know, I mean, I figured the, the rings had some power, but I didn't think we were going to see, like, mis- magical, mystical beasts. And mm. what do they look like? Like, ginormous lions? Uh, what kind of lions were they? Yeah. <laughs> but those creatures are really cool looking. So, uh, That's really cool, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Performances all around. I mean, um, yeah, Simon Liu was, was fantastic. Aquafina? She was just perfect. She, she, I believe she was so necessary for this film. Just to mm. give it that, that, that humor, comic. the comic relief, the humoristic edge, you know, that we well, really need. Well, also, it's it's a, it's a woman in a film that's a friend to the main character, where it's just a platonic relationship. It, it's not mm. a love interest, which made me very, very happy. I was like, like, oh, yeah, you're right. That girl, never she's the girlfriend. Like, no, she's she's just the main character's friend. Right. Like, they right. don't do that very often in movies. They like don't. This. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's say like, for now. I mean, obviously, when they explore other movies, maybe. You yeah. Know. But I thought, you know, she was kind of they were leaning heads on each other, you know, kind of getting that room. Oh, there's, there's were they on a date at the end? It kind of seemed like it a date. Like, yeah, it seemed like they're, you know. But there's, it's a gray area right now. Yeah, they seem like they're just kind of attached to the hip. That's just what it yeah. feels like. I will and, say the ending when they go to karaoke. Oh god, <laughs> what a great way to end the movie. It just—it was just a much-needed laugh, and just oh, yeah. long. Uh, <laughs> just singing uh, karaoke was crazy. Um, well, we got to talk about Tony Lung's <laughs> Wenwu's character. He—he he was great. I mean, and we find out that he's an immortal, mm-hmm. which now explains why. He hasn't aged at all yeah. throughout the, yeah. uh, the different timelines because we see Shang-Chi as a seven-year-old, a 14-year-old, and uh, as a 20-something-year-old. So um, so now that question was answered. Um, now, this is one thing that – so Michelle Yeoh, phenomenal actress. So she played the auntie of Shang-Chi. She is another character in a Marvel movie in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 in the end credits. I just don't like it when they have the same actor playing two different roles yeah, in the that, universe. I, I, I have a problem that. with that. Uh, I, it, it's fine. It's <laughs> Who, fine cares? Who cares? Who cares? Evans was a human torch and he's a Captain well, America. The, the difference with that uh, Paul, is that was it. not that's MCU. Yeah. Yeah, it's still Marvel though. Well, no, that's okay yeah. because it's the universe yeah. is different. 
Because you, you're believing this entire universe is all tied together. And you have two different actors. I'm uh, sorry, the same yeah, uh, actor playing two different characters. It just it doesn't sit well with me. It's just a personal thing, you know. Um, General actually pointed to me uh, when we saw the film that Gemma Chan, who's in the Eternals, was also in another Marvel movie as well. I believe she was in Captain Marvel. Oh, okay. In a in a um, yeah smaller yeah. role, right? But yeah, not the same one character. Of the, uh, one of the bounty hunters. Right. See, that, that's that's already breaking the rule as well. I mean, I like I mean, I, my I like my cinematic universes to make sense. I mean, yeah. for me, you know, I don't I know. Mean, it, it's it's like everyone was always thinking, well, would who would be really good to cast as Lobo in the DC universe? Oh, Jason Momoa, perfectly. But he's already playing Aquaman. I always that's thought it'd be funny. I always thought it'd be funny if they just had him play both characters and nobody comments on it. <laughs> he would. I mean, he's the perfect <laughs> Lobo. And then, and then you put the two it's of them in the same room and they play off each other. That'd be funny. <laughs> Interesting, you mentioned Aquaman um, because Jason Momoa just posted his new costume, which is. It's kind of the OG um, color scheme yeah. of orange and green, but it's just kind of modernized. Very, very cool looking. So you got to check that out if you get a chance. Um, but uh, there's an interesting um, uh, little Easter egg, I guess, where Shang-Chi um, um, punches the wooden post as a child yeah. until his knuckles bled. Director Destin Daniel Creden revealed that scene was a memorable one to shoot because he directed it from his iPhone because his wife uh, just gave birth to their child. So he was like in the OR, I guess. He was, yeah. I guess, on FaceTime yeah. watching it. Somebody must have held the phone to the video village and Jeez. directed the scene from his iPhone at the, from the hospital. So that was you know, he's got to get that movie done, man. I know I know the birth of your child is, I mean, Vince, you're, you're the dad in the, in the room. I know the birth of your child is probably the, probably the biggest moment, one of the biggest moments of your life. Would it you is. as an actor multitask in either direction? Well, it's, it's funny you ask that because the, the night my first son was born, I was supposed to be playing uh, Richard III in a Shakespeare production. And... Thankfully, they knew it could happen, so they had an understudy for me. Oh, <laughs> he had never rehearsed. He had, he hadn't done anything. I think he was familiar with the lines. And um, so like that afternoon, I called him. I was like, "Hey, buddy, you're going on tonight. I can't get out of this one." And so I missed <laughs> How did the he show. Do? I heard he did. He did pretty well. I mean, okay, you know. But I was there the next night. My wife was actually not happy. I went back the next night, but. <laughs> <laughs> I took one night off. Let the record gotcha. show. Let the record show. Um, all right. Well, let's get into the end credits. So we did allude to the karaoke scene, which is one part of it. But um, yeah, Benedict Wong returns from midway through the film after fighting uh, that Spartan match with Abomination. He comes back and he says that Shang-Chi and Katie have to come with him in his, um, what do you call that portal? That uh, Oh, which, the... Yeah. Right. Well, well the, I guess the portal is the proper the portal, whatever. Okay. <laughs> so, okay, whatever. So, but my question is, like, he said, Katie, you have to come too. So I'm like, I, I know she she had some archery skills, but she's like not a superhero. She doesn't have any abilities. They're, so they're I just package like, deal. Let it go. <laughs> I know, but I, I want my I want my stuff to make sense. You know. <laughs> you just you saw think, a giant dragon eat a bunch of 
weird creatures. Let it go. <laughs> well, <Okay. laughs> well, do you think uh, Katie will kind of uh, improve on the archery and kind of maybe she'll show up in the Hawkeye series? I don't know. Do you think she, that will be her new, new ability? Yeah. Is the, because that was a hell of a hit. I mean, she was instrumental in taking down the dragon. It'd the be enemy. dumb to get rid of that character at this point because it's like a fan favorite. Right, but do you think they'll give her ability to be a super archer? Is what I'm oh, asking. I, I don't know. <laughs> so, might as well. Because, I will say the end credits they didn't. I, I it didn't really give me much. I mean, they kind of were alluding to something with the contact in the thousands of years ago. Maybe I just didn't get it. It's lead in for Eternals. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that's all it is. So <laughs> after they go through the portal, we got our. Uh, other two cameos. We had mm-hmm. Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner, not a smart Hulk. And we have Ca- Captain Marvel herself, uh, played by Brie Larson. Were you guys uh, surprised to see those two make an appearance at the end credits? Uh, I mean, kind of, I expected Benedict, so I was surprised that yeah. there was Doctor yeah. Strange. Yeah. Like, why Doctor is Doctor Strange, Strange not there? <laughs> yeah. Well, he's probably not there because he's dealing with super, with Spider-Man shit. <laughs> they probably have concurrent uh, production schedules. They're probably running side by side. Yeah. And he's got a big role in the next Spider-Man film, that's for yeah. sure. But, you know, they were kind of analyzing the rings and uh, you know, Captain Marvel's like, I gotta go, give me a call. And Hulk's like, I don't have her number. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then we had a second post credit scene um, mm-hmm. which basically shows Shang-Chi's sister uh, Jai Ling standing in her old um, uh, massive Ten Rings compound run by her father, Tony Lung. Yep. Um, and Shang-Chi thinks Zheng Li is there to dismantle it. Instead, she takes her place on her father's old throne as the camera pans to reveal Zheng Ling is actually giving the Ten Rings an upgrade with mm-hmm. kind of like a punk graffiti makeover to the decor. Um yeah, so very instrumental. Looks like the big Romanian dude with the missing arm where he puts random weapons in it. He's, he's I guess, you know, I guess he's a good guy now. I don't know. <laughs> I guess that's assumed that was the case. But, uh, yeah, it definitely left me wanting more and, and, and caring for these characters yeah. and to see them again in, in different iterations. So I thought I thought it was really good, you know. Yeah. I was happy that the martial arts was practical, and it's like, oh, it looks like a real action scene. Yes. It wasn't like it wasn't all CGI yes. all the time. I was yes. very happy with that. Um, Absolutely. It's, it, it's the opposite of like uh, the fight scenes that were in Captain America: Winter Soldier, where like the editing is like chopped to hell to cover up the fact that Chris Evans can't fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so they actually <laughs> allowed the actors to do what they do, what they can do on screen. Yeah. So it's that made me happy. I I do think that the ending battle is just it's a visual mess. I don't really? like it. Well, okay. it's it's because you've had the first two thirds of the film. It's a lot of practical stuff, lots of real martial arts stuff. And then it's like, oh, it's like dragons all over the place. And it's all this CGI everywhere. It's like, God, this feels so dissonant to the first two thirds of the film. It doesn't maintain consistency. Yeah. I mean, you got to be the careful. formula though. That's like, they start yeah. out with a good two thirds and then the last act is kind of a mess yeah. and it ends with a big 
army battle where two groups are running at each other. It, it's it was too much. And, and uh, the, the first two fight, the bus fight and the scaffolding, the bamboo scaffolding. Yes, fight, I like that. By far the best parts of the movie. Yeah, yeah but the and way- then there was like a forty-minute stretch of not really anything that in. I mean, yeah. there was the, there was the Ben Kingsley stuff, which was fun, but it was. Uh, that, that I, I noted that, too, when we were in the theater. I was like, there's a big lull in the second act where, like, not a lot happens. Yeah. <laughs> where, like, dialogue scenes that could be solved within, like, two scenes get stretched out to four. Yes. Yeah, where it's, like, padding the runtime just to get more screen time in there, I guess, mm-hmm. for character stuff. But the character stuff felt so weak in those moments that I, if you asked me what happened when they get to that village, I would be like, I don't know. <laughs> but did you expect the two opposing armies to join forces at the end? I mean, that, that was... No, that really... I didn't expect. See, uh, that, see there, there's something new. That's cool. Yeah. yeah you know? Yeah, it's just, you know, I wish it wasn't yeah. against just a CGI dragon. Yeah. <laughs> I wish so that Mar- was the main bad guy. Like, the, yeah. more, <laughs> the more important fight is the fight between the Mandarin and Shang-Chi. That's the more right. important stuff, and that right. gets put to the background for a giant CGI battle with two dragons. You yeah. Know? Okay. Yeah. I, I, I can see, I can see um, your point on that. Yeah. But uh, Marvel studios has big plans for Shang-Chi. They're basically calling him Marvel's new Avengers. So expect, yeah. expect Shang-Chi in the next Avengers movie, whenever that is. I don't think that's anywhere in the studio plans yet. Well, that's like um, six years down the line. Yeah. So. Down the road for sure. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I think it's going to be really exciting. Um, and I think you mentioned Jesse something about Bruce Banner, not a smart Hulk. Yeah. He changed back. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Never explained. Never <laughs> I guess explained they just, I guess they were out of money on the CGI budget. You, you, actually, now, you know what? I figured it out. I know what it is. Um, because of the height difference between Brie Larson and the, and the Hulk. Yeah. It's better to just have him be Bruce Banner because they're the same height. Okay. For the sake of the camera. Because that room is so small, if you had Smart Hulk in there, it's like he's too big for the hologram. <laughs> but timeline-wise, where does this it fall in directly this is after? A, oh, this is a couple of years after Endgame. Okay. I think. Yeah, you know, it's a, at the very least, it's a year or a year and a half after Endgame. Uh, so. All right. Well, the box office, no, no surprise there, and I think because Shang Chi was not released on Disney Plus, it actually did fantastic. And maybe they got to rethink. You know, maybe. Maybe dropping in the theater is a good idea, you know, because of the I, whole Black Widow mess. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's a surprise, man. That is incredible that it smashed Labor Day records still basically right out of the pandemic. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, yes. I knew it would do well, but that's pretty incredible. That 71.4 million just over the weekend. So yeah. that that's that's really um huge. Um, so, um, I mean, considering that uh, Black Widow... Um, Made eighty uh, the opening weekend, eighty million the opening weekend, but um, quickly that fell off. Quickly fell off because of probably because of the Disney Plus, you know. Yeah, I still yeah. haven't watched it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I still haven't uh, watched it. Eh, you know, um, can I heard? I heard it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's just fine. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I I, I will say that I enjoyed Shang Chi more. Vince, well, would yeah. you agree? Have you I, seen both films? I haven't seen Black Widow. You haven't seen Black Widow. Okay. 
I think there's just no interest in Black Widow because it's like, oh, we're having her origin story after she's already dead. Like, why do I care? <laughs> I hope she survives till the end. It's like, Yelena Belova. Uh, it's it's, it's, it's just the torch. set up for more Avengers stuff. That's all it is. Yeah, exactly. The, the only thing you need to watch in that movie the end the end credits after credits scene. That's it. Watch that. Okay. That you're, I don't even need to watch the movie. I was like, oh, it's just a setup for the next Black Widow. Oh, oh okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the rest of the top five movies after Shang-Chi, second place Candyman, third place Free Guy, fourth place Paw Patrol the movie. I know Vince took his kids to that. And the Jungle Cruise riding at the top five. Did you? Did no, you, Vince? Okay. <laughs> oh, man. So, But, yeah, I, I think it's going to rule the box office as long as they, you know, don't drop it on Disney+. Plus. I mean, it might actually be a good idea, you know? Um all right, let's talk about some other movies that are going to be released soon. One is called Belfast. A trailer just dropped for that, starring uh, Judy Dench, Jamie Dornan, Catriona Balfe, and Sharon, Sharon Hines. It's Kenneth Branagh's film of a young boy from a working-class family, uh, played by Jude Hill, and his turbulent childhood living in Northern Ireland during the 1960s. Um, the trailer looked really... Um, it looked great, you know. It actually premiered at the Telluride Film Festival. Um, and ha- we'll have another showing at the Toronto Film Festival. And speaking of festivals, the Venice Film Festival is one of the uh, big film festivals that drops a lot of huge movies. Um, the audience at the premiere, standing ovation for Edward Knight's psychological thriller, Last Night in Soho, which stars one of my new favorites, Anya Taylor-Joy. Um, and of course, um, creating a lot of buzz at, uh, at the festival, Venice Film Festival is Spencer. And, mm. you know, it's like, you know, an American actress playing Princess Di, you know, it's like, I was, I, I was skeptical, but then I was reading all these reviews and saying how Kristen Stewart just nailed Princess Diana, you know? Um, and just. You know, of course, you got to get the accent right if you're American. I mean, I don't think many American actors yeah. <laughs> we talked about last week. Um, maybe John Lithgow, maybe Peter Dinklage, but not many Americans could do a proper British accent. You know, um, it's it's a little challenging. But of course, many Brits can do the American accent very well. You know, um, what about you, Vince? Always and saying you got you got a British accent over there. <laughs> I, I barely have an American accent. Dude. <laughs> no, I, I've had to do proper British, but you know it is hard because um, people, everybody in England speaks differently. They don't all talk like their uh, received pronunciation upper class, and they don't all talk like their, you know, Michael Caine Cockney. There's something Cockney, in between. Yes, a little lock, stock, and smoking barrels. That's right. <laughs> um, but yes, um, a lot of. And, and some critics are saying that Kristen Stewart, based on her performance, could be an Oscar contender. That is actually shocking news. I'm really surprised to hear that. Um, did you see Jackie? Any other of you? I did. Now, now this is the same uh, director as Jackie, yeah. correct? This was, I mean, no offense, because I know a lot of people worked on it, and it was local, but oh, mm-hmm. that was a snooze fest of a movie. It was a snooze oh, fest. It was dull as hell, man. So I hope he's improved. <laughs> right, right. Point. Yeah. I mean, the reviews. I mean, especially Kristen's performance. Though. I mean, they're it's great. And we okay. talked about um, uh, the Power of the Dog, starring Benedict Cumberbatch and Kirsten Dunst. Apparently, that got a four-minute standing O after that um, premiere. 
at the Fidesz Film Festival. And last but not least, I know Jesse is looking forward to Dune. Dune actually premiered at the Venice Film Festival. Eight-minute standing ovation. Eight-minute standing ovation. Um, some mixed reviews. Well, the you know, main, some very positive ones, some yeah. you know, so okay ones. The main criticism of the film thus far is that um, the second half of the film kind of meanders a bit. Um, and yeah. I think the reason for that is because that's what the book does. The film is almost like slavish to the book, um, even to the point where the movie just kind of stops. <laughs> they like okay. it ends at the Jameis fight and it just kind of stops. There's no it's a film without a third act, apparently, but because this is supposed to be Dune part one, even the title when it comes up is Dune without a third act. Okay. yeah, there is no third act of the film. One review called it dazzling and frustrating. That's both sides of the coin. there. It's a tough book to adapt. It's often spectacular and often slow. I I like slow. I there's nothing. Okay, there's difference between slow and boring. Mm-hmm. Okay, like a movie that like Drive is slow, but it's never boring. Like, okay, it's okay for a film to be slow. I think people are so ingrained with the idea that it's a big epic. It needs to be action packed and filled with like you know moving through like a roller coaster. Like no, this is you a need, you very need some slow moments. It's yes. a very dense science fiction novel from the 1960s. This is not an action film. There are action moments. But it is a character piece and a political piece. It's mm. not about action. So are you of the I have to see it on the big screen? Count? Yes. <laughs> I just I am in theory, but there's no way I'm not going to just watch it's it on, on HBO video. Max. Well, here's it the is reason. on HBO Max. Here's the reason that I want to see it in the theater. Well, they the director said so. Well, well, apparently everyone that see that saw it says it's like the Gen Z Lord of the Rings. Like, if you only ever saw Lord of the Rings on a small screen and they never released it in theaters, would it be as amazing? No. Okay. There you go. <laughs> and that's the other thing is yeah. that um, they haven't greenlit part two yet. Yeah. Yeah, you're if right, the film, though, Jesse. If the film doesn't make money, they don't finish the story. Yeah, because it essentially ends at act two. It ends at act two. It, they, is what they, this it, review is saying. Yep. Yeah. They end the film... When Paul joins the Fremen, the second half of the story is the reclaiming of House Atreides and the uprising yeah. of Fremen. Well, hopefully it doesn't get that Suicide Squad yeah. mediocre box office because the HBO Max drop. Yeah. Um, because I, I, it needs I, the box office numbers to come back. For they, Warner, Brothers, look, Warner Brothers is keeping track. They know how many people saw Suicide Squad on HBO Max. They're going to have a sequel. Yeah. There's been a lot of COVID forgiveness these days. Um, they they recognize right. that Suicide Squad it was probably never gonna make that kind of money anyways even no matter what they did like that movie cost 185 million dollars they're gonna forgive it there's yeah. already they already have talks with James Gunn about doing another one um at some point and it was the most I believe it's the most streamed movie yes. on HBO Max it, so. it beat it beat Justice League it finally beat yes. Justice League thank fucking Christ um. <laughs> But uh, yeah, with Dune, like if they've already said that Warner Brothers is very happy with the movie, they're very proud of it. It will be definitely an Oscar bait movie because it'll get a lot of technical awards. Um, so that there's a lot of forgiveness going on with regards to these movies that are coming out, like ones that make a lot of money typically are just lucky because mm-hmm. now the Delta is kicking up and, you know, there's a bunch of chuckle fucks down in the Florida's that don't think this is a real thing and think it's a goddamn conspiracy. 
you know, it's getting harder and harder to maintain an audience <laughs> when the yeah. audience is fucking dying. So there's a lot of people that are just kind of like, you know what? We get it. We understand it's a difficult market. We're going to keep going. Um, there was there's still the talk of doing a Dune TV show called Sisterhood of the Bene Gesserit. Which is about yeah, the, I think we mentioned that on the show. I think yeah, did, it's about the, yeah, it's about the um the sort of sisterhood of the the sort of witch like cult that governs and polices the governments of Dune universe. They sort of control things from the background, maintaining power uh, through manipulation. It's an interesting world to explore. I don't really know if that's the best entry point for a TV show. <laughs> um, <laughs> it sounds like Handmaid's Tale, kind of. Uh, no, because Handmaid's Tale, the women are oppressed. In the Dune universe, the women are in charge. Okay. They run there everything. There you go. They yeah. run everything. Yeah. Especially when you get to the fifth book, where you get the honored matres, the sort of secular section of the Bene Gesserit that come back after mm. thousands of years, and they're like full-on dominatrixes. I'm not even exaggerating. Those last two books are weirdly horny. Um <laughs> Yeah. Let's, Let's go ahead and green light those. That yeah. <laughs> they, they use their power of they use their power of sexual manipulation to get what they Ka want. Cass I'm not Mar even exaggerating. Not even Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> yeah. Just go to Google, type in Alicia Vikander. Yeah. Who, who else you want to see in this? Yeah. <laughs> go to Google, type in honored matres in, in the search engine. Just like all these like sexy photos of women come up, and it's like, oh, that's our main villains. Okay. <laughs> All right. Margot yeah. Robbie, I think you uh, need to call your agent. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Other movies in production. Uh, Margaret Qualley's got a movie as a dominatrix. All right. Opposite oh, Christopher. On, on brand. <laughs> yeah. Opposite Christopher Abbott in a thriller called Sanctuary. Christopher Abbott was in a movie, um, Possessor. Jesse, I know you spoke. I love Possessor. Yeah. Fantastic. Chris, Chris Abbott was the star of that one. Yeah. Real nice guy. Um, basically it's set over the course of one night in a hotel room where the dominatrix and Hal, a wealthy client who's about to inherit his late father's position and fortune, tries to end the relationship. And when he tries to cut the relationship with her, it backfires. I mean, <laughs> because I mean, you're not going to get any of that money <laughs> yeah. and it's going to go pretty nuts from there. Um, also production, Robin Wright and Billy Bob Thornton are in a thriller uh, directed by Ben Young called Where All the Light Tends to Go. Hmm. Um, set in Appalachian Mountains is a thriller about a boy whose father is a domineering and violent crime lord. But when he meets the girl hmm. of his dreams and looks to escape his father's control, he has to go head to head with his father who will stop at nothing to keep control. Okay. That's in the Appalachian fair. Mountains. Was that actually filmed around here? I'm guessing no. Appalachian Mountains, yeah, maybe was. Um, if, that is a big pet peeve of mine. I mean, they always fake That's probably it. the they fake Appalachian Mountains. Yeah. <laughs> um, probably a park in Georgia sure. or something. Just like right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Georgia's everything, right? No. They even fucking you in, in the scenes in. Falcon and Winter Soldier that were set in Baltimore. They That's not Baltimore. Shot, That's Atlanta. They shot that That's bullshit. Georgia, oh man. That is not too cool, man. Baltimore's cool. flat. Baltimore's flat. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, there's only one hilly area, and that's all the way up in like the Hamden area. But other than that, Hamden no. and East Patterson Park. That's about right. it. That's about it. Exactly. Very good. Um, let's see. All right, we got a big movie with. Morgan Freeman, Al Pacino, Heron Mirren, Danny DeVito, 
Uh, a film called Sniff. Okay. Uh, a stylish reinvention of the film noir about a series of deaths at a retirement community. Ooh. That explains the older cast, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Retirement community. Um, so basically, two residents at the retirement community die under suspicious circumstances where a detective is pulled back into action by his former partners. They uncover hidden underworld of sex, drugs, and murder. Sex, drugs, and murder in a That's retirement weird. community? Retirement community. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Old sure. folks kill each other and having sex? I mean, what the? <laughs> I mean, we got to invent... We got to put something in theaters. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh my gosh. We're also getting a Napoleon Bonaparte um, biopic, which I met, we mentioned on the show before with Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, Jodie Comer just confirmed uh, to play um, the love interest, I guess, of um, of uh, Napoleon and Ridley Scott's latest project. It's called Kit Bag. Kit Bag. Speaking of, is I, I keep hearing the room, the Joker two and three rumors. Is it happening or what? Man, you know what? Mm. Um, it wouldn't surprise me the success of that. I mean, it was a superhero movie that made Oscar oh. contention. Superhero. Yeah, yeah. I just feel like Joaquin has to. That's such a big commitment. I mean, either he's gonna have to like lose fifty pounds again and commit to that, or it'll just yeah. be like, well, Joker looks different now because I feel like he's he's away from that. Oh yeah, he's way away from that. Yeah. <laughs> he's not it's, doing that. It's very tough for yeah for someone yeah. to make that kind of uh, uh, adjustment. I mean, I mean Jonah Hill does that all the time. He goes up and down. It's kind of yeah. weird. Christian Bale does that all the time too. Christian Bale, but I, I, I love. I love Jonah the memes. Hill doesn't do it on purpose. Jonah Hill just yeah. kind of just does it when he feels. He does it, yeah. I love the me- I love the memes of uh, Christian Bale puts on four hundred fifty thousand pounds to uh, play the sandworm in in Dune. Yeah. <laughs> I always love that. I love that meme. <laughs> All right, movies on Netflix. Uh, the trailer for Red Notice. I gotta admit, this trailer looks pretty dope. And mm. kudos for Netflix for, for grabbing this movie with Gal Gadot, Ryan yeah. Reynolds, and The Rock. Could have easily went to theaters, made the box office draw. But mm. it's going directly to Netflix, guys. Um, and some really epic fight scenes in the trailer. I mean, Ryan Reynolds has that comedic timing and is also an action star. The Rock's got both of that as well. And then Gal Gadot's in there looking beautiful. Um, yeah, I mean... Uh, I just yeah. want to see who got the role of Taurus number two, because I know some really good actors auditioned for that part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they didn't get it. No, no, no. no. This is a this is a legit um character in Red Notice. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Taurus number and, two. And you're allude, are you possibly alluding to you may or may not have auditioned for Taurus number two. I may or may not have. Okay. I'm sure some guy in Atlanta got it. So good for him. <laughs> good for him. That would have been amazing had you got it. You're not touristy enough. You're, you you feel like you're. you're <laughs> I don't. I don't tour. Come on. <laughs> All right, we got another Netflix film called Guilty. The Guilty, that is, with Jake Gyllenhaal. He plays a nine one one dispatcher. He's about to hang up on a woman who he thinks is inappropriately called, and then realize that she's been abducted and unable to speak freely. And then gets caught up in a tense real-time effort to try the, to bring this woman help. Um, mm. Trailer was really good. I mean, it definitely kept my attention. Um, and here's the callback to that uh, Destin Cretton directing on his iPhone thing. Yeah. Apparently, uh, Antoine Fuqua 
was around someone with COVID. And so like right before they started shooting. And so they're like, we can't let you be on set, dude. So uh, he had to direct from a van with Jake Gyllenhaal on the stage. Oh. <laughs> and like after every few takes, Jake would like come to a window and look out and Antoine would like shout out some direction to him. <laughs> then he'd go back and do it. <laughs> that yeah. is very similar. Whatever yeah. works. Whatever you got to do. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do, whether it's uh, staying away from others due to COVID or um, delivering your baby. <laughs> I guess that's for two very, very important things. Um, this actually looks really cool. It's a Netflix horror anthology series, Cabinet of Curiosities. We got a glimpse of it during the Super Bowl halftime show. Um, sorry, during a Super Bowl commercial. Um, but um, they just announced uh, cast members um, that I guess it's in the tradition of uh, anthology. Every episode will be self-contained. Um, and I don't really recognize any of these names except for Crispin Glover, um, who's actually going to be uh, have his own. Uh, well, we all know him for Back to the Future. And also Andrew Lincoln, Rick from Walking Dead, also uh, will be um, appearing in this Cabinet of Curiosities. So, um, yeah, Guillermo del Toro is phenomenal. I mean, Pan's Labyrinth, Hellboy, mm-hmm. Shape of Water, um, the first Hellboy there is. <laughs> first two, um, first two. First two, right. Um, and uh, Pacific Rim. Yeah. So uh, we will see how this series goes. Um uh, let's see. We have an uh, upcoming drama series called Breathe on Netflix. as cast Austin Stowell um, and Melissa Barrera. Melissa plays a razor-sharp Manhattan attorney who finds herself out of her comfort zone when her small plane crashes in the Canadian wilderness, and she must battle for survival. All right. So a uh, little bit of a, uh, a lost, maybe, uh, plot line there, maybe. Maybe without the smoke ghosts, perhaps. Um, if you're a fan of Sex Education, the trailer for the season three just dropped. I, I watched a couple episodes. It was a fun, fun romp of a show, but never continued. Um, I haven't seen it. I have to check it out. Definitely was a fan of uh, Jillian Anderson back in the day. Um, <clears throat> so if you're a fan of Dawson's Creek, you'll be happy to know that the original theme song, Paula Cole's I don't want to wait. We'll uh, be back on Netflix because they worked out a deal. First, they didn't have a deal in place where she could get any royalties or residuals because of her theme. But now they worked out a deal that she got the money. She tweeted, yes, you can hear my famous song, uh, the opening track for every (laughs) Dawson's Creek episode. In the meantime, has Dawson's been on there with just no theme song? They had another like sub theme that was Uh very very um not as very much not as popular as yeah all the calls version all right over on disney plus we just saw a new trailer for terrifying tales um which is lego star wars terrifying tales that is um reveals three tales that darth vader's loyal servant Veni, played by tony hale of veep fame um and uh, basically, it's uh, Vani who spins for Poe Dameron and his team, and they're stranded at a Darth Vader-themed resort. Okay. Interesting, but it's Lego. It's not, uh, yeah. it's not the Disney Plus Star Wars series that I am. I cannot wait for. Um, 
which obviously includes Mandalorian, but Obi-Wan Kenobi. Cannot wait for the Obi-Wan series. Cannot wait uh, for the Boba Fett series. Um, Darth Parl Wallace, are you looking forward to anything big in Star Wars on Disney Plus? Yeah, I feel. I, I think feel we like lost him again. I think we lost him again. He's watching <laughs> Bad Batch right now. <laughs> Probably so. You know the I one don't... trailer you forgot to mention. Uh, you forgot to mention that the Matrix stuff started coming out today. Matrix Four stuff started coming out today. Did they drop an official trailer or just um... just the teasers, the little teasers? teasers. Yeah. Oh, teasers cool. are out. Yeah. Really, it, it looks good. I'm, I mean, I hate the Matrix sequels, but I quite like uh, the what they're going with in this one. Matrix Resurrections, yeah. Oh, nice. Okay, I didn't know the official trailer was dropped, but you're saying no. The, the official trailer drops Thursday. Oh, sweet. Yeah, and the movie comes out okay. December twenty second. All right, so we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the trailer for next week's show. Yeah. Um, over on uh, Paramount, uh, Picard, Star Trek Picard season two, we'll see John Luke squaring off against an adversary in the Borg Queen. And the Borg Queen has just been cast. It's Annie Hershing. Of course they're um, bringing the board back again. <laughs> yeah. The third actress to take I... on the role. Paul, that... you're back? Are you back with us, Big Paul? I'm, I'm back now. I had to switch my, my uh, headset went bad. Okay. You're back, yeah. What Sorry was your about that. No, that's okay. Did, did you have a comment I on, on, on the Star Trek? was Star dead a long time ago. What? Oh, you have a queen. You have a question. You have a comment about Borg Queen. I'm pretty sure she died a long time ago. Am I right or wrong about that? No, they they established there's multiple Borg Queens. They 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 clear that up in Voyager. There's multiple. Borg uh, okay, okay. Well, <clears throat> I guess yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. The, the, she will be the third. Annie Hershing will be the third actress to take on the role after Alice Krieg played her in Star Trek: First Contact and in Star Trek: Voyager. Mm. Series okay. Yep. yep. Uh, over on Amazon Prime, I know Jesse, you'll be happy to know that Green Knight will be uh, dropping on Amazon Prime. <clears throat> I've already watched it twice. It's fantastic. Yeah. Really good. One of my favorites this year. And also will be uh, uh, being released in the UK uh, on September 24th in theaters. But Amazon does have rights for the for the uh, film. Amazon Prime also just dropped a trailer for The Wheel of Time. Mm. Uh, this is giving me some Game of Thrones vibes after watching well, the trailer. It's fantasy, you know. <laughs> exactly. All fantasy kind of blends together. As well. Yeah. <laughs> it's based on Robert Jordan's book series of the same name. Based on a book, so that's good. Because I think there's been some other fantasy, um, original fantasy um, uh, shows that just didn't take off. Sonara yeah. Chronicles, a few others. Um, right. But um, this one stars Rosamund Pike, who's fantastic. Um, a member of the magical all-female organization who leads five young people on a journey around the world while trying to learn which one of them will fulfill the prophecy of the Dragon Reborn. There you go. <laughs> so they're Dragonborn? Are they going to wake up in a cart and somebody goes, oh, you're awake now. <laughs> 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 that Skyrim yeah. joke will never get old. <laughs> yeah, uh, the trailer's dope, guys. Check it out if, if you got a chance. So, so the book series was made up of fifteen novels. So I don't Jeez. see this going fifteen seasons, but <laughs> no, I think they're gonna compact that a little bit. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that might be worth a look. 
Vince or uh, Paul, were you guys big fantasy fans, either Game of Thrones or anything in the fantasy realm? Um, Game of Thrones was good till last season. After that, kind of <laughs> fell off. Right. But it, it was a good show until then. But yeah, that's pretty much the consensus for everyone else. Yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, they need a new Mrs. Smith. Phoebe Waller Bridge has left mm. the series adaptation of Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie's uh, 2005 film. Donald Glover will be Mr. Smith, so they need a Mrs. Smith now. So all you actresses out there might want to. And uh, I guess she, it was a, just a creative difference, basically. She had a, cre- a different creative vision for the series. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's kind of eh, vague, but, you know. No, is it, isn't she just the actress on the show, though? She's just the actress, though, yeah. She's Mrs. Smith. That means conflicts with the director or something like that. Yeah, I mean, she's friends with Donald difference. Glover. They worked together on Solo, a Star Wars story. As you know, Phoebe was the the droid, yeah. the um, non-binary droid. And then, um, I guess most are most droids non-binary. I don't know. Um, so they have they have binary code. I mean, right? They have binary code. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't that know. That is my quip for the night. Yeah. Over on Hulu, only murders in the building, uh, killing it, um, literally and figuratively, because that's the title, right? Uh, the most watched premiere uh, for any series in Hulu's history. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So this is a must see. I mean, it's Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez. It's a whodunit. Oh well, you can't go wrong with Steve Martin. I know, right? Yeah. I was going to say you can't go wrong with Martin Short, but hey. Yeah, you can't, anyway, go, wrong. <laughs> you can't go wrong with Selena Gomez. <laughs> <laughs> have, you seen, have you seen Spring Breakers, guys? <laughs> well, yeah, actually, I really like that movie. <laughs> it was a good movie. <laughs> if you're a fan of Reservation Dogs on FX, not to be confused with uh, Reservoir Dogs, um, it has been renewed for a second season. Um, however, Dickinson on Apple TV um, which will premiere on November 5th, will be its final season. So it's only going three seasons um, for that series. Um, I've never course. seen that. I never saw it either. Even though Apple TV. You know, Haley Steinfeld is great, but uh, I never, never got around to checking it out. But um, Apple TV really is kind of struggling with getting their audience together. They're really well, struggling. Yeah, they got to they gotta make some just... Bring bring some crazy, yeah. super awesome content to get. Isn't the out. isn't the foundation bring show? me and Al back to servant? That's what it is. Servant. We oh, need yeah, more servant. Paul, and we need more yeah. Al. <laughs> isn't the foundation show supposed to be on Apple TV? Foundations, I heard was yes. That's another yeah, sci-fi yeah. series. That might be a reason for me to get that. Then. Yes. Yeah, because yeah. yes. I do that, like Foundation. That's that's supposedly going to be a really good one. <laughs> so this is a show that got a zero point zero rating. It was on the CW. What? It's called the, the Republic of Sarah. It got canceled. Surprise. Uh, no, not surprise. No, no surprise there. Uh, I mean, <laughs> a zero, mess up now. A zero Surprising point, it got canceled if it has a 0.0 rating. 0.0 rating for the penultimate episode. So, um, I mean, the premise was, uh, it was okay, but, you know, it was just, um, basically, it's a, is it a teen drama like everything yeah, else on the CW? It's, it's, yeah. It's, 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 yeah, it's a teen drama, but it's <laughs> about a high school student with, who's faced with destruction of her own talent at the hands of a greedy mining company. 
and uses her. That sounds like a show I was thinking about, The Outsiders, which needs to come back. Yeah, that's what? your show. That's your that show. That is my show. Yeah. So Were you on it, Paul? Did you work on that? I was on it, yep. I was part of the Farrell family. This is just the premise of Under the Dome. Oh, that's all. Paul, do you do you know uh, Mark Miller, Mark Jeffrey Miller? Yeah. Yeah, he's a... I, I I worked with him when I used to live in North Carolina, and he's yeah, he's, he's one of those... pretty awesome. I mean, he actually uh, was working with everybody on their accents and all that stuff too. So, oh, cool. Really... He's a real. He's one of those character actors who's just worked his Does way up. Does that sound very similar to yeah. Outsiders, The Republic of Sarah? Does it? Uh, the premise does with a mining company trying to take over the town, but so she uses her cartographical loophole to declare independence from like i said the mining company but uh yeah see the outsiders really didn't do that so yeah <laughs> <laughs> let's see uh over on showtime there is a um a biopic uh but more of a series of um the story of uber um how it was developed um as joseph gordon levitt plays um the creator of um or so the ceo and founder of uber travis kalanick um and uh also kyle chandler and uh carrie bachet was also a part of the cast and hank is areas of course um so yeah i'm really curious because i really enjoyed um the social network the story of facebook um i thought it was a fantastic film and yeah, I kind of I enjoy watching these uh, stories of how these amazing apps get created. Didn't we have the idea with Chachi that this should be an anthology series where they do the DoorDash guy? Yes, guy. we were talking about this. The DoorDash the guy. guy. Yeah. Yes, every yes, every every app creation. Donor Twitter guy. The there Twitter guy, exactly, exactly. <laughs> the OnlyFans guy, you know, the OnlyFans guys. You know he's right, dude. You know, you know the OnlyFans creator was like really just uh, having internal conflict, deciding whether to keep porn on their site or not, because you know, you know, you're getting rid of all your pretty much majority of your revenue by getting rid of porn. So they. Well, that's kind of what happened with Napster, isn't it? When Napster started asking money for its songs, they just kind of went out, went by the wayside. They went by the wayside. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um. Big Paul, are you caught up on Walking Dead? Did you did you tune into episode four of this current season? Yes, I did. You did. I you, did. So you saw I'm the day one of the few ones you still watches it. Thank you. Can we talk a little bit about it? Because this character Pope, this is probably the most uh, craziest character that I've seen. I mean, Alpha is pretty scary and, and yeah. insane. The Pope is not in the source material, not in the comic book. No. But he is merciless. However, go ahead. Um, I do have to say something. Does he remind you of the character from Fear of the Walking Dead? He was kind of like a cult leader too. I mean, just kind of. I kind of got that. The mad scientist that died in a nuclear explosion. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a little irreverent, but this, but he's not as badass. No, he's not crazy. But this guy took one of his own men, family members, and and. Put him headfirst into a, a burning fire and literally burned his face off. It was so gnarly to watch. Um, and also, uh, we got to see Daryl separated from the group and is now uh, reunited with his long lost love, Leah, because 
Yeah. It was good to see because Daryl's really hasn't gotten laid in the eleven seasons um, of uh, Walking Dead until he talked about Carol once or twice. I don't think he's ever smashed Carol. I think. No, uh, I always thought well, he. I always got the impression around. he like did stuff with Carol, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I think he sees her more of a sister, you know. Um, but you know, until Leah. So he met Leah, and you could tell when they met. You know, first of all, eh, you know, I kind of heard rumblings that Leah was a member of this group, the Reapers. But um, yeah, it was. Um, it definitely took me by surprise initially the way Leah was t- treating Daryl because. Wow, Leah's supposed to love Daryl. They hit it off so well. But then, then you see a little bit more. She was trying to, you know, show her softer side when Daryl was getting waterboarded, you know, uh, to try to get the truth out of where they were. But uh, yeah, Daryl uh, pretty much lied and said that he did not know any of the group that he was with. So what do you think of that, Big Paul? Do you think that's going to come back and bite him? I think it will, because I mean... Remember, him and Carol are still going to have their own shows, so eventually they, they have to split off in the normal group. You know what I mean? Either they get left behind or they just decide to or get kicked out or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, it'll be very, very interesting to see what happens, man. I, I'm, I'm loving this final season so far. I think it's so, so, so good. Um, and, uh, of course, we need to find out what happens to Alden. Alden uh, was profusely yeah. bleeding and left um left to fend for himself i guess um after they all decided at least maggie and negan decided that he was dead weight being that injured so we'll have to see what happens to him and of course i can't wait for next week's episode big paul because we're going to see more of the group at the commonwealth where eugene um princess yumiko and ezekiel are entering this new community we didn't get to see much of the community but they're pretty much a community that is pretty much as normal as it can be like pre-apocalypse they have bakeries they have movie theaters they have currency you know yeah, but isn't, um, that, isn't that how alexandria was until uh they got attacked alexandria never really had currency and they never really uh, had I didn't have... they kind of had a small village provincial feel to it they didn't have businesses you know like yeah, i guess you're right you know bakeries you know people didn't make money you know alexandria but and the commonwealth you do. And it's really all about, say, if you're a doctor pre-apocalypse or you're a lawyer pre-apocalypse, you're going to keep that same profession and oh, means of living. If yeah. you, you know, I mean, if you were a garbage man, you're going to be a garbage man, you know, in the, uh, in the, in the community. So I guess it's if you a garbage man. I would say, Hey, that's not my job. I had a different job. <laughs> You know, garbage men can make money. Um, supposedly, they can make uh, money. You know, I, I just would be like, you, I, I'd rather not do it. I'll only play one on television and film, and uh, think <laughs> that you know about that one, right? <laughs> yep. um, and now, also, you uh, the opening promo, Big Paul. I don't know if you heard it, but uh, did you, you did you know about Jadis coming back on Fear the Walking? I'm sorry, not Fear the Walking Dead, the Walking Dead World Beyond. I did hear that. I mean, does that mean Rick's going to show up too? Or That's do you think he's the just thing. Gonna... I don't know if Rick will show up, but I think we're going to get some answers as to what A's and B's are. We're also going to find out more about the CRM community, but I think it's going to lead into the Rick Grimes movies that we're really waiting for. You know, we're yeah, really, nice. yeah. So, um, yeah, it's in the, the new trailer. What has Andrew Lincoln been doing since he left? He has been family man, you know. Um, oh, he's missed a lot of his child's 
uh, just the growing up years of two of his kids. Fair enough. Um, and we mentioned earlier he's going to be in that Guillermo del Toro um, yeah. series. But okay. that's, I think he's going to do one episode. But he is committed to doing the Walking Dead movies. Okay. So they're going to just continue what happens to that. I character. saw Garrett Dillahunt had posted something about his new show, which actually is the show he's doing in Pittsburgh. And somebody commented like, oh, we miss you on Fear the Walking Dead. He's like, man, I'm too old for that shit. I cannot <laughs> wait to get out of there. He actually <laughs> wanted to leave the show from what I heard. Yeah, he, yeah. he wanted to be killed off. And he was yeah, killed the off. The funny thing is, did you notice his dad is much older than him? I mean, that guy's not too old. Which guy? Well, the guy who played his dad. Uh, uh, oh, he's not that on? much. Oh, the guy who plays dad is not that much older than Garrett Dillahunt. No, he's a lot older than the Garrett Delahunt. Oh, he's a lot older. I see. Yeah, but he just that wants money. Brother. That's a Carradine's brother. Oh, oh. yeah, that is Carradine. That is, he's one of the Carradine brothers. One of the Carradines. Well, yeah. yeah. So I mean, he's like, as I said, it's like he was saying he's too old for that chip. But the guy who kind of came in and replaced him is much older than he was. I see what you're saying now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think by much. I mean, I think Garrett's in his fifties, so I think. Uh, oh. Um, the, yeah, but the Carradines are probably in their 70s 70, or 80s. So that's like 20 years. Yeah. But nobody's hiring the Carradines. I mean, I'm sure some people are hiring the Carradines. But Garrett Dillahunt's a hot commodity. He can. Yeah, you're right. And he can do comedy yeah. and he can do action. Yeah, yeah, but of course, Army of the Dead. He, he did great in that. Yeah. I worked on that. Yes, you did. You were one of the, weren't you one of the alpha zombies? Nope, I wasn't an alpha zombie. I was a gambler who stole money uh, from the tables. Oh, you were a human. I was a cowboy. Oh, you're a you're a, a living cowboy. You weren't one of the undead. <laughs> no, I was a cowboy gambler who stole money from the table. That's basically no, what no, I was. <laughs> no, were you visible in the final cut? I think I was. I didn't see the whole movie because okay. I mean, okay. my Netflix um, went out. Yep. Um, and of course, um, Kevin can fuck himself on AMC. Uh, we'll uh, get a second season. That's uh, Annie Murphy's new show from Schitt's Creek. Love some Annie Murphy. She. Uh, we had some great conversation at the Screen Actors Guild Awards party. She's awesome. Um, <laughs> I know I like to bring that up multiple times on the show. <laughs> uh, over on Fox, can you believe there's network television? Make shows, God. Uh, Susan Saranda, Susan Sarandon, uh, the whiskey's starting to work, and Anna Friel have been <laughs> cast as leads in the Fox up, upcoming country music drama, Monarch. I don't Wait see this one. Didn't they just do one of those, like, Ten years ago, they did Nashville, you know, and actually Nashville was kind of, a, kind of a success, but you know, I like the same thing. It's like people need new ideas. Yeah, There's I don't know seven stories that have ever been told by humankind. That's right. <laughs> I don't know how well this one's gonna do, guys. Um, anyone check out the Rick and Morty uh, two-part season finale? I am one of two. I've watched one of two. I still haven't watched the. Episode ten, but um, I feel like I'm kind of over the Rick and Morty thing. Are you Rick? Are you? I, Rick yeah, no, really? I just feel like I'm, I feel like I kind of got my enjoyment out of it. It was fun. I'm just kind of like well, I just feel like I just think it's over. so ingenious. I don't know. I did you hear about the live action thing with Christopher Lloyd? Is that? Oh what you're yeah, talking about? I did. Let's see talk those about promos. that. That was those. so cool, by the way. That was great. That was cool, man. I mean, it's a promo clip ahead of the finale. It was Christopher Lloyd, who is kind of kind of loosely based on the character of rick sanchez because of the yep. hair the mad scientist um and um jaden martell from the it movie the new it mm. movies oh, okay. uh, played 40 um in the clip um and of course um 
yeah, it was a very, very short clip, but, um, you know, it's funny because at the awesome con, um, panel that they had, uh, Chris Lloyd and, uh, Michael J. Fox, they, they, they talked about Rick and Morty and, and them being fans of, of the show. And, uh, okay. they knew initially that the pilot was kind of loosely based on them, yeah. you know, um, but they had to go in a completely different direction. That's why they don't do time travel. If you notice, they just travel yeah. to different planets and galaxies and stuff like that. So, um, and the personalities are very different than Doc and Marty, you know, but I think they was kind of just kind of the look initial look was kind of based on Rick and Morty, but yeah, it was good. To see, he even did the burp too, Chris Lloyd in that clip. <laughs> <laughs> he is great though, isn't he? He is fantastic, man. He is fantastic. And, um, we also have to say congratulations to Fran Drescher. She is the new president of SAG-AFTRA, a narrowly, narrowly defeating Matthew Modine. Uh, from 52.5% to 47.5%. So and only, uh, only what? 26, 27% of members voted. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, confession. I was one of them that didn't. Get oh, well. so, oh how could you not vote? I know. I know. I'm sorry. I just, I, I overlooked I mean, it. I was on vacation for two weeks and I just, I, it was around that time and realized that the ballot, Hold on, I'm I'm calling them right now to let. Oh, them. you son! I found the guy. I found one. Yeah, Celebrity Soto did not vote. <laughs> well, if you know that Anthony Rapp, um, dress, dresser's running mate, actually got beat by Modine's running mate, Jolie Fisher. So, mm-hmm. so both women. That was um, kind of strange. Yeah, they kind of flip flopped on the running mates. Mm. It was apparently a very nasty campaign. I, I heard it was like some real mudslinging at the end there. Yeah. And and it who, was like. Now, tell me why. Like, tell me who you voted for and who 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 do you think would 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 be best to handle the Screen Actors Guild? I'll presence. be perfectly honest. I looked at the ballot. I voted. I read each person's little statement. Some people mm-hmm. had no statement. So if you didn't mm-hmm. have a statement, I didn't vote for you. And. Oh, no, mm-hmm. Pretty simple. And Modine, he was addressing actual issues that seemed to affect members, like insurance, residuals, stuff like that. So I voted mm-hmm. for him. Hmm. You know, Drescher had a bunch of buzzwords that had nothing to do with like actual practicalities of being a member. So I was like, eh, whatever. Interesting. Okay. But maybe she'll come around. Maybe she'll come around. All right. Maybe she will. So I think this is a good time to take an interview break of this is a pre-recorded interview that I conducted with John Morton. That's right. Dak from empire strikes back. That's cool. Uh, so when we be back, we'll just uh, wrap up the show. We'll go a little shorter than usual. Just a couple things. And, uh, I know big Paul, we got to talk some wrestling cause it's a lot of stuff going on in the world of wrestling. Yep. So, um, um, yeah, we'll be back right after, uh, our interview with John Dak and a little bit of a bonus at the end. Um, our good cosplayer friend, Joe Colton, Jesse, you might know her, who mm-hmm. actually had her own booth at Awesome Con. I got to talk to her for a little bit. So we'll, we'll uh, listen to that in tandem, and we'll be back right after that. All right, see ya. Once again, to talk to a Star Wars icon, and John... All right, it's my pleasure, once again, to talk to a Star Wars icon, and John Morton, who plays Dak... An Empire Strikes Back. How's it, first of all, how does it feel to be back at a convention and at AwesomeCon nonetheless? Well, it's, it's really great to be back in AwesomeCon. This is my fourth time. And honestly, you know, 
being away from the fans and sort of out of circulation and doing only private signings was very difficult during COVID. Right. So, I mean, we've all had to cope with this. And it's just great being back out here with you all. Yes, we definitely miss the conventions. And Star Wars being represented so much. I've seen so many Boba Fetts. I've seen so many Jedis. And you actually had the pleasure of um, doing some uh, work in place of Jeremy Bulk, right? Yeah. As Boba Fett in, in uh, one of the Star Wars films, yeah, right? Yeah, Jeremy had the opportunity to do two days work in a film. And George was very kind in letting him go for two days. And then uh, they came to me as somebody who was his size. And when I was doing the Dax scenes, we had a lull in our shooting. And so I was just standing around. And they said, would you come in and stand in for Jeremy for the scenes that we did in the carbon freezing chamber? So I had the sublime pleasure of saying to Darth Vader, he's no good to be dead, i.e. doing yes. do it my way, right? And um, it was only years later that I understood what the significance was of this. Uh, wow. That, you know, hey, you know, I'm the only guy that you can think of in the Star Wars universe that faced down Darth Vader as, as Boba Fett. Saying, as well, other than Warwick Davis playing more than one role. Yes, that's true. That's true. That's kind very of talented, Warwick Davis. Yes. Yeah. Very, very cool. So, um, sadly, uh, your character of Dak uh, met its fate in Empire Strikes Back. But had he not have died, how would you have felt about reprising your role in the, the sequel trilogy like Wedge? Yeah. A lot of the uh, the, the old school yeah. Rebel Alliance I'm representing right here. There you go. Uh, <laughs> I'd represented in new films. Uh, how would you have felt about reprising Dak? Oh, I would have been great with it, you know. Uh, yeah. But I always maintain that, you know, if we're talking Star Wars legends, that Dak actually survived on Hoth. Really? Dash Rendar, yeah, Dash Rendar had a SAR team that was out there, and he pulled me from the from the wreckage, got me to a Bacta tank, and and revived me. But, but not. But didn't. Yeah, is, is it canon? No. But is uh, did he revive me enough to uh, to go back and be a starfighter? And the answer is no. So I ended up being a a tap calf tender. In other words, working in a bar, which wow. was fine. That's always fun. <laughs> of course, we also have the upcoming Rogue Squadron movie directed by Patty Jenkins. Uh -huh. And I think the timeline is around New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, if I'm not mistaken. Is there a possibility of maybe an actor playing Dak or maybe you, maybe doing the, the de-aging, yeah, if, yeah. if you're up for it? I don't know. I'd How do you feel about that? Very definitely be up for it. I mean, yeah. I think Dak, Dak has a backstory. Yeah. And Lucasfilm actually asked me to write up the backstory uh, oh, wow. for the Star Wars Insider, but it, it, it never got published. But I was talking to them really off and on for several decades. Yeah. But I was never in the right sequence of things. Uh, when we were almost ready to go, they decided they wanted to put all their effort into stuff to do with episode one. And then the last time when we were really close, I had a 4,000 word piece that I'd worked on with them for a year uh, for the 40th anniversary edition of The Insider. They said, eh, no, I think we want to go with um, episode seven stuff. So, right. But it's out there. It's, uh, you know, I posted it on Facebook. Uh, so, I mean, someday it might get used. Who knows? Wow. Of course, go to John, John's official website, right? And official Facebook page for that information, right? Well, it's it's actually, now the website is kind of defunct. Okay. you you got to go to Facebook. If you can okay. do a Facebook search, uh, the name of the article is uh, Escape from Callist. Uh, K-A-L-I-S-T, and that's where Dak was born. 
And that was actually established by um, Jeff Stein and Pablo Hidalgo when they worked for West End Games. So they'd written a 700-word backstory on Dak for the role-playing games that people were doing in the 80s. And so I just picked up on that and just you know expanded it to 4,000 words. So it's based on what Star Wars had come up with. And luckily you're a writer, so this yeah. came in second nature for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I, I got to ask your thoughts on uh, the recent live-action series on Disney Plus, The Mandalorian. What were your thoughts on uh, the series? Well, I think The Mandalorian is just great. For me, for an old guy, you know, who is sort of, you know, you know, a nerd to all of the stuff of Star Wars in the 70s, this faithfully kind of represents it with the new technologies. And I think what they've done with the sets and um, the, what is it called, laser windering. Uh, so you've got from the camera angles, you know, all the perspectives so that the right, so that the actors can play in front of, you know, the, the, the scenes that they're in rather than in my case where all this was on a, on a blue screen and I didn't know what was going on. Um, I think it's 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 the very LED compelling. Technology. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, yes. the LED technology. And my favorite example of that is when the uh, uh, when the their, their spaceship crashes into uh, you know the Mon Calamari scene on yes. the dock, dock side. I thought that, <laughs> wow, what an interesting world. Wasn't it a great world? I actually even really? bought I bought one of the sweaters, the the fisherman sweaters from Mon Calamari. Such a big fan. Yeah, no, that was really cool. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And of course, your thoughts on the recent sequel trilogy, and uh, of course, the Rise of Skywalker. Well, my my favorite was the Force Awakens. I, nice. I I liked what they were doing there, and I liked the characters they introduced, in particular Maz Kanata. I thought she was just really interesting. Right. And I was sort of hopeful that they'd carry her forward a little bit, but they didn't. Um, but yeah, no, there's some good stuff in there. Absolutely. Wow. Guys, here it is. Awesome con. With John Morton, Dak from Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back. Also one of the Boba Fett's, if you didn't know. He's here at Awesome Con, and it's been amazing talking to you. It's been awesome. Thanks so much, John, for talking with us. Let's take on the Empire together. <laughs> John, if you could, before we let you go, let us know who you are. Throw out your character, Dak. Let us know you're on, there's two shows, Below the Belt Shows, the podcast. Uh -huh. And click on this show is the video show. So, so you okay. can do both or one or Okay, this is John Morton from The Empire Strikes Back. We're here at Awesome Con, and uh, we encourage you to watch this on the Below the Belt show. And click on this. And click on this. So there we are. May the Force be with you. All right, it wouldn't be Awesome Con without seeing one of the most awesomest cosplayers that I know, Joe Colton. Hi, everybody. Hi. Joe, you actually have your own booth. First time, first time. At Awesome Con. Tell us how, how, how. Tell us what measures did you go through to get a booth at AwesomeCon? So uh, Shady is a, Shady was a guest or is a guest, and uh, she recommended me, and they looked at my social media and what I was doing, and yes. like, like I guess like uh, what I do for the community and stuff, and they were like, "Do you want to be a guest?" And I was like, "Sure." So nervous, but like, it's a great opportunity, so I'm excited. It is a great opportunity, of course. You're channeling your inner Amazon yes. or Themyscira, depending on which yes. uh, backstory you're going by. Right. Um, and the wonderful, I guess this is inspired by the DCEU version of Wonder Woman, right? Yes, yes it is. Yes. Awesome. Well, tell us a little bit about assembling this amazing so cosplay. This, this one uh, in particular is actually made by DreamWorks Studios. 
Uh, it was molded to my body, so it it's like it won't wow. fit anybody else but me. Wow. Uh, it is adjustable within like an inch or two, so like I have to stay fit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my bracers are metal. Uh, and they have actually saved me uh, in a, during a shoot. I tripped on the step, and I put my gauntlet did you use down. Your, yes. I did. I did. And there used to be a dent in it, but I like bent it. Back. Look at that. Yeah. They're true Wonder Woman yeah. bracelets that actually prevent you from injury. Yeah. Like not. Look at that. Yeah. That's insane. So, so I had a metal one of these as well, but it was like cutting off the circulation. So right. we went with the leather, and then the tiara's leather. Very cool. Of course, this is a very well-received cosplay. Yes. You're doing something a little different tomorrow, aren't you? I am. Uh, I'm doing Cruella, the red dress. Woo! So, from the movie. I'm so excited. Yes, Chandler, you're in a, uh, Emma Stone. Yesterday. And I was not here yesterday. And tell us what you are wearing yesterday. Yesterday I was Omni-Man. Omni-Man? A gender band of Omni-Man? Whoa! Yes. From Invincible, guys. Yes. That is so cool. Wow, we wish we could have seen that one. Very cool. Well, uh, Joe, where can your fans see you on social media? So on Instagram, it's Joe Colton Cosplay. On Twitter, it's J Colton Cosplay. Facebook is Joe Colton Cosplay. And TikTok is Joe Colton Cosplay. Fantastic. Which I have to be better at. <laughs> That's right. Oh, Canada representing yes. here. Joe Colton here at our nation's capital. Awesome Con 2021. Thanks for talking to us here on Below the Belt Show. And click on this. Yes. Thank you, guys. Woo! Woo! All right. That was uh, John Morton, Dak from Empire Strikes Back. Cosplayer Cho Colton. Um, she's awesome. Um, it's great to talk to them at AwesomeCon. Those are the final in-person interviews at AwesomeCon. All right, guys. Um, so, um, yeah, just some gossip news due to COVID, basically. Um, so despite the uh, vaccine... People are still getting infected with COVID-19 um, and celebrities as well. Um, some of the names include Gene Simmons mm. um, from Kiss, which they actually had to um, cancel for the dates of their end of the road tour. Um, they had to reschedule those. So not only did uh, Gene Simmons of Kiss, but also frontman Paul Stanley as well. Um but they said that their symptoms were mild compared to others, but it still kicked their ass, basically. So um, still important to get vaccinated so you don't get deathly ill or hospitalized. But at the same time, people are still getting COVID. Um, Oscar De La Hoya, actually, despite getting uh, fully vaccinated, revealed that he got COVID. It really kicked his ass. And he actually was going to come back. Great. At 48 years old to fight in another boxing match, which he actually retired back in 2009. Um, he was supposed to make a comeback on September 11th. Um, Is he going to fight Jake Paul? Because everybody's fighting Jake Paul right now. Everybody's <laughs> fighting Jake Paul, and surprisingly, Jake Paul's been doing well. But he was supposed to fight Vitor Belfort um, oh. in a boxing match. Yeah, Vitor Belfort. Um, and I guess it's more of a um, you know, it's more of a spectacle match. I guess it's not really. Yeah considered a professional bout um so same with like jake paul because jake paul i mean he's pretty much double the size of floyd mayweather but still like went to the distance with the greatest of all time yeah, i thought it was right. logan paul is logan paul uh, jake? no logan paul's the one that wasn't wrestling last week yeah <laughs> logan paul's the the youtube personality i guess jake yeah. paul is as well 
Okay. But, uh, yeah, no, it's easy to get those two confused. <laughs> <laughs> now, Joe Rogan, uh, announcer for UFC, and of course from the Joe Rogan podcast, um, he actually thought about suing CNN because of his coverage of of his uh, of his COVID uh, nineteen diagnosis. Basically, CNN was reporting that he was using all these un- unproven home treatments like ivermectin, uh, which medical ep- experts say that they shouldn't take because they're unproven remedies. Well, no uh, shit. It's horse dewormer. Jesus is, Christ, is that what guys. Is horse dewormer? Right, right. But now he's saying he, he should uh, – he should, he, he's thinking about su- suing CNN. I don't know. I mean he said it in social media. Isn't things that you say on social media considered – free reign to talk about i guess i don't know like like he admitted that's what he's doing right like i don't think he has a stance in suing cnn quite frankly no he doesn't um but uh i mean yeah again these are these are personalities and celebrities that are getting COVID after getting vaccinated it's just uh it's a little disheartening guys i gotta admit Mm -hmm. but uh yeah, we gotta go to we gotta go through all the measures. Well, Rogan never got like, vaccinated. Yeah, Rogan, Rogan never got vaccinated. Actually, you know what? Yeah, you're right. Rogan was actually um He was anti vaccination. He was I actually mean. talking about yeah, he was anti vax, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let's yeah. see how long he lasts. <laughs> That's the thing, man, you know, I mean I mean the, the people Look, if you want to listen to Joe Rogan, that's great. I'm happy that you find entertainment in him, but he right. really has become a huge yeah. asshole over the last couple of years and it's like pushing the anti-vaxxer movement yeah. it's like it, it's this is yeah. not it's not so, healthy yes. he's You're not right. helping yeah it, i, I mean, don't wish doesn't... death upon anybody but it's like jesus christ dude you you got what you asked for well you, know? you question the necessity and efficacy of covid 19 vaccines vaccine i can't get it i have allergic reactions so it's like even if i wanted to get it i can't get it so mm-hmm. what happens with somebody like me uh you're fucked <laughs> Yeah, I mean, as I said, it's like, as I said, I can't, my doctor told me I cannot get it. So it's like, my own doctor told me that. So it's like, I don't have a choice. And I'm sure there's a lot of other people that don't have choices. And some people don't know could be bad if they get it because they could get, they could die from that. So I always say your best bet is talk with your doctor. I mean, I guess in certain health reasons you know obviously the the women that had the blood clot issues um if you're immunocompromised like yourself paul i guess you know if, if you do have and were advised by your your md then yeah i guess that that's kind of the the workaround really um to uh but the thing is, is as actors guys and people in production like you jesse we a lot of productions are requiring vaccination now so it might be a little more difficult um for certain productions, wouldn't you say, Paul, based on that, uh, would things become yeah. more difficult? Yeah, especially like in the New York area and the Philadelphia area, they just seem to be overly strict. And then when you ask for the paperwork, you don't always get it. So you're going to need a, a letter from your doctor. and Yeah, I know, but you have to get it from production. You have to wait for production to send it to you. You can't just, you can't just send a letter from your doctor to production and then that's good enough? No, you have to get the letter from production, then take it to your doctor to get it signed, and then that, that's what I you have see. to do. So it's wow. not like, hey, like it's a magical thing where, hey, it's a, it's doctor- a, big, a little bit of a process, especially with mm-hmm. working on set. Sometimes it, there's not much 
leeway as far as yeah, time, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Well, but I did want to talk about some stuff because huge stuff going on in, in the wrestling world, Paul. And I know you're the big wrestling fan. I doubt Jesse and Vince watch much wrestling, but uh, AEW. I watched wrestling since I was like 13. <laughs> AEW's all out pay per view was crazy. Paul, did you see all those debuts? Let's start. Let's just start with one of the big ones, which was Ruby Riot, now known as Ruby Soho, appearing in the Women's Casino Battle Royal, which the winner gets a future shot at the women's title, yeah. which was won by Ruby Soho, uh, which was pretty cool to see her back. Um, and of course, we already saw CM Punk debut at Rampage, but he actually had his first match um, against Darby Allen, and it was a fantastic match. Did you get a chance to check it out, Paul? Yeah, one of the bad, best matches of the night. Wasn't it one of the best matches of the night? It was fantastic. CM Punk defeated Darby Allen uh, with several go-to sleeps on that one. Um, but you know what was one of the better matches? was the, the AEW Tag Team Championship. The Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers. The Lucha Brothers are your new tag team champions. Um, it was a steel cage match, but it was insane. Insane. Probably one of the best matches um, that I've seen in AEW. Just focusing on AEW specifically. Yeah. AEW is just like picking up the slack where WWE is dropping it. I, I don't understand some of the releases and some of the uh, like signings. I mean, they should have thrown a as much money at uh, Adam Cole as possible. I mean, instead now he's. Yeah. Let's get to Adam Cole. So Adam Cole appeared at the end of the Kenny Omega, Christian cage um, championship match. Um, and uh, Omega and the elite attacked uh, Christian cage after the match um, before Jurassic express attempted to make the stave. And then after Jurassic express was in the ring, we saw the debut of Adam Cole, which I thought was enough. I was just completely shocked. I mean, I knew he was debuting. I thought they would reserve his debut for later. Formerly Daniel know? Bryan. Now Brian Danielson. Yes, no, Brian Danielson. I know. Um, I was saying Mr. Yes, man, because uh, the big yes movement he had in WWE. The yes movement, yes, yes. Were you surprised to see Daniel I Bryan? I thought they were going to so hold him back for like another pay-per-view, to be honest with you. That's but. what I thought. I did not expect him this soon. Again, he did not wrestle. He just made an appearance, but I just—it was so impactful. There were so many debuts. I mean, from Adam Cole to Brian Danielson to Ruby Soho to CM Punk's first match. Um, also, let's not forget the uh, the the Chris Jericho MJF match, which is a great match. And oh, that was a great match too. Yeah, you know, um, they used the 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 dusty finish. You know, with uh, Jericho's foot on the rope, they restarted the match, yeah. and of course, Chris Jericho defeated MJF by via submission, which. Of course, well, I see, didn't I think about that because I mean he said he was going to retire if he lost. It's like he wasn't going to yeah. retire. I didn't think he was going to leave uh, AEW just yet, you know. Um, I mean, some great matches. I mean, Miro um, defeated uh, Eddie Kingston. We saw Best Friends of Jurassic Express defeat the Hardy Family Office, um, and of course, Doctor Britt Baker victorious um, in her title defense against Chris um, Statlander. So. Um, Overall, a fantastic pay-per-view. I mean, um, I just, yeah, they're very, very solid, you know. Um, but you know, WWE, like, like you said, Paul, they're 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 in a tough spot because 
not only do they lose re- re-signing CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, they released like some of the biggest names that I am so shocked that they released. Yeah, I mean Bray Wyatt makes no sense at all to me. Bray I mean, Wyatt, I, I, I could see. One. I could see Braun Strowman because he was getting a million bucks a year, which was way too much for Braun Strowman. But he's still, but he's still a main eventer, and he's former. Yeah, but four million dollars a year is still a lot of money for a, a guy that they weren't using as a main eventer. They were using him as like a film main eventer here and there. But they just need to get a new contract and get him re-signed, basically mm-hmm. for less money. It's yep. basically what they need. But you know, WWE's been trying to come back. Of course, they had John Cena come back because you know he's this big actor now in Hollywood. But they had him for um, an extended had run. Come back too, which was not good. <laughs> Who was not I good? Mean, Goldberg. Oh, Goldberg's return. Yeah. It was a little lackluster, and the match was pretty horrible at SummerSlam. But hopefully, they'll uh, have a rematch, and he'll do a much better job in the rematch. But yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty much the drizzling shits that match. I mean, um, his last couple matches has just been god awful. Yeah, but Becky Lynch, you know, she returned, so that was fantastic. You know? That was good. Yeah. So they just announced some matches at the Extreme Rules pay-per-view. Randy Orton um, is challenging Bobby Lashley for the championship. So, um, and you, Alexa, you know what's going to happen in that one? I what do you Riddle, think? What do you think? I think they're going to make Riddle a heel and just have Riddle attack Orton when he's going for the championship. But maybe I'm wrong. But I mean, it's like I think eventually they're going to have a few down the road. But I think they might save that maybe for maybe closer to WrestleMania. <laughs> I think there's a lot of money in a one-on-one match between Orton and uh, Riddle. Personally, I think let's just save that one. But um, yeah, Alexa Bliss is challenging Charlotte Flair, and Bianca Belair gets her rematch against the man Becky Lynch. And Sheamus gets his rematch against Damian Priest. So a couple of rematches, but you know, um, again, I mean, it's uh, you know WWE. They need before. to do something you know new. I mean? They need to do something crazy to well, compete with AEW. Here's what they need to do. They need to bring up half the NXT roster, put new people in NXT, and just kind of. I mean, I well, understand the loyalty to some of these older wrestlers, yeah. but you bring some new talent up once in a while. Well, the thing is, did you know, Paul, they're actually rebranding NXT now? They don't want to look for many indie-type uh, wrestlers. They want to look for, like, the future WWE superstar. They want to look for uh, Olympic gold medalists. They want to look for um, former NFL stars. They want to look for, you know, actor types. You know, they want to – I don't Man, know if that's I, the best. I should get into WWE then. <laughs> you, you could probably wrestle for WWE based on that. We all could wrestle for WWE based on that. But. Well, I mean, I had a tryout for WCW years ago, but I mean. Did you really? Uh, well, Paul, you are, you are 6'7", correct? I'm 6'7", 320 pounds. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, yeah, I did have a, Plus, I look like Kevin Nash. So it's like. <laughs> I think a that's why WCW wanted are. me. Because they were like, hey, you're, the, you're Kevin Nash's. Nephew or son or whatever. I, I could see him doing yeah. that angle. But... Oh, we got to get you on Turf Valley, man. You would you would be a great. Gotta... Now, what character would you think Paul would be best? For? Well, I don't know, but I know for the finale, they really wanted like athletes. And we got some NFL dudes, but we ended up with some really short NFL players. <laughs> Dude, you would have fit the bill, Big Paul. You totally would have yeah, been great. Send me that. I mean, I'll do it. We got Wait. season two, hopefully. Right, Vince? We got season oh, yeah. two. You'll be in season two. We'll get you in there. And, and, and do we know, is there any news on when we can see this series, what platform, et cetera? I have no news, sadly. Mm. But I will, as soon as I do, I'll come back on the show and be yeah. blabbing. Yeah. But um, which wrestler do you think has 
come the longest way. Um, the Rock, John Cena, or Batista? Because all three of them have really tra- just transitioned very well into mainstream movies and as yeah. an actor. Who, who do you think's the best? I mean, personally, I know Batista because, I mean, years ago he was on my Little League team. But <laughs> honestly, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, honestly, I, I think probably The Rock. Okay. Because yeah. he, he was always personable, but I mean, he was almost homeless at one point in time. So he like, well, he called himself uh, the Seven Bucks Production Companies. Literally, had seven dollars. Yeah. In his in his wallet, and that's all the money he had. That's how and he came up with had some opportunities bucks. when he was young, and he just couldn't act. I mean, like he had that yeah. one movie where he's a fireman or something. He had to say, I forget what the, even that movie was. Do you remember like twenty years ago when he first started? Wasn't the Marine his first one? Oh, he had one before the Marine. It was like some kind of movie. He was a fireman and his girlfriend got kidnapped by drug dealers or something like that. And he had to save her. It was kind of weird. And um, and Batista just kind of plays a type. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. This is interesting because a fan actually suggested that Batista joined Cena in The Rock in a film. And Batista responded, nah, I'm good. And apparently a lot of people thought that is offensive. And then basically he was just saying he that he doesn't, that. well, he just doesn't want to be, ad, he wants to be identified and recognized for his own work. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I understand that yeah. completely, but I mean, and that's what Cena said. He said, I, I applaud him for it to be brave enough to say something like that allows him to go forth and on his own. And I appreciate that. So, um, but you know, Cena said that, you know, he's a very gifted actor and, um, you know, I other than Drax and and um, Stuber, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'd like to see I'd like to see Dave play something with a little more range. I know. To, I mean, he was in Blade Runner twenty forty nine for like yeah. a scene. That's right. He wasn't that one. And scene, he's in yeah. Dune. He's in Dune. I, that's in that's Dune? the movie that I want to see. Yeah. How he handles is that character. Kind of. Maybe that'll be a little bit you know, out of his wheelhouse, maybe something a little bit different, but he's still an action star, but in the sci-fi realm itself, yeah. you know, I'd say we saw, I, I saw suicide squad and vacation friends almost back to back. You know, Cena doesn't have incredible range, but he can definitely lead him. He can, he can maintain a, a leading role. He's got, charisma. he's got charisma. Yeah. He has charisma. Yeah. But the well, acting range the is coming out too, right? He does have the Peacemaker series, which is based on his character from Suicide Squad. Um, and, you know, he was kind of like, yeah, the action hero who called himself the douchey Captain America. Um, but he had oh, some really good Captain comedic America. moments, you know. I still think Jake the Snake in uh, uh, Peanut Butter Falcon is one of the best. Uh, Jake act- the Snake Roberts, that's right. That is a yeah. movie that got very underlooked. If anyone's seen that yeah. movie, it's a fantastic film, guys. You guys are forgetting about the greatest wrestling uh, movie star of all time, Roddy Piper. Oh, yeah. Live. From yeah. Daylight. Daylight had the longest fight scene of any movie. <laughs> yeah, sadly, he is no longer with us. But Roddy Piper, I think he was kind of underrated as an actor. I think he, he could have done a lot more. I agree. I agree. Big Paul, I think he could have done a lot more. So, um. But um, speaking of wrestling, we do before we end tonight's show, we do have some rest in peace um, shout outs. Um, Paul, do you remember Daphne Unger from yeah. uh, WCW? Because she's she not was, even that. Sadly, yeah, she sadly 
was in a suicidal state, posted videos on Instagram Live the night before she shot herself. She also said that she wants her brain studied for chronic traumatic encephalitis, uh, which is uh, CTE, um, the degenerative neurological disease that stems from repeated injuries to the brain. She actually shot herself in the chest. Yeah, mm. see, the I do think that they should have done more with the concussion movie because I was actually standing by audition for the part of Justin Strelzig. Yeah. And most people don't realize because they wanted to use the NFL logos, they downplayed everything. Justin Strelzig, originally, the story was he was going to be a normal guy. He kind of helps out Mike Webster. And it would have went three or four weeks of different things and just showed him progressively getting worse. Mm-hmm. Except the movie, because the NFL's deal to use the logos, they had to cut all that out. Yeah. So, I mean, it went from like a scene that would, uh, would have showed him deteriorating to a two-day shoot. I mean, Matt Willen got the role, but as I said, I, I auditioned for it. So, I mean, it's like you took a character that you were going to build around and show the deterioration and just made like a split-second thing. And I don't think that was a good idea. I think that was a poor decision they made. But I see. But certainly really, really sad about Daphne, um, she, who was uh, found uh, dead in her home in Norcross, Georgia, after a welfare check, right after that, she posted had, that video. Was that something similar to China? Because I, I, if I remember, didn't she do something China, similar to that? China, China I believe, was um, on OD. It was an OD, yeah. All right, so this one uh, is has ties to Baltimore. It's Michael K. Williams. He's an actor from HBO's The Wire. Has died as a uh, from a possible drug overdose. Uh, oh, drug overdose. Um, very sad because uh, yeah, they just did discover drug paraphernalia in his apartment. He was 54. He played Omar Little, uh, a robber who terrorizes street level drug dealers in The Wire. He was also in uh, Boardwalk Empire, Twelve Years a Slave. Um, also apparently, um, he was in Lovecraft country where a lot of people are saying that he could have some Emmy. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's actually nominated for an Emmy. Um, was he on Creed? Cause I think I worked with him on Creed or Creed two. No, he wasn't in that. I don't think. I don't think he was. Uh, no. I thought he was in there as like a ring person. Cause I thought he was a friends with, uh, M- Michael B. Jordan. He no, that's yeah. Wood Harris. That's Wood Harris. Okay. Okay. Yeah. He also had an unscripted series called Black Market, um, and Black Market um, was basically a show that investigated the complex factors that drive people into often dangerous underground economies on illicit trade networks. So he was kind of like the host of that show, and um, he was active in season two of that production. And it's really, really sad. So so that's the thing. Um um, just illicit drugs and, and people overdosing is is still a very much an epidemic. This is the latest. I mean, um, uh, being in the music industry, as I said, like the band I had originally, like there's two of us left out of six of us because of the drugs. So it's like, it's just yeah. something that. It's horrible. It, it's horrible. This is crazy, guys. So you, this is the thing. You, if you if you like the party for the listening audience, know where it's coming from. If you don't know where it's coming from, don't do it because. Three people died from an overdose from just at a party in Venice Beach. One of them was comedian Fuquan Johnson, um, and then also Natalie Williamson and Enrico Kalanji. Um, oh, 
all went to the same party, took the same cocaine laced with fentanyl, and died. Um, and one comedian, her name is um, Kate Quigley, actually took that same um, uh, laced cocaine. She was hospitalized. Luckily, she did make it. She wrote that she's alive. I'm not great, but I'm okay. Um, but, you know, it was enough to, to send her to the hospital. So, um, yeah, this is really scary. The fact that fentanyl is being laced into different drugs, you know, it's like, it, it's, it's a horrible thing, guys. And if it, your body doesn't react well to it, it, it could be the last time. So just, uh, you know, just be smart. Shrooms. You never hear anybody dying from shrooms, do you? Nope. If shrooms are laced with, uh, fentanyl. No, shrooms yeah, straight out of the woods. Just stick to that. Okay, well, the ones out of the woods. Oh, no, I, I would not recommend that because some of the ones in the woods are highly poisonous. So do not do that either. Okay. I would recommend you don't do any drugs, but you know, yeah. if you got to pick, I don't know. If you got to pick, maybe just weed. But then again, weed, if you don't know where it's coming from, could also have, you know, I'm going to make a little of people. Do you really there need to? There you go. Drink? You really whiskey, need whiskey, whiskey, bourbon, bourbon. <laughs> Alcohol never hurt anybody. Exactly, dude. Exactly. Um, Richard E. Grant's uh, wife of three decades sadly passed away. Um, Richard Grant. Um, from what I told for people who met him on the set of um, the show that he did in Philly, the name is escaping my mind with Jason Segel. Pardon? Was it Servant? Not Servant. I think it was Dispatches from Elsewhere. Dispatches from oh, Elsewhere. Was it Thank you. From Elsewhere, yeah. Yes, yes. He was also in Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, if you, if you guys didn't know that. And he's also in Loki. He's one mm. of the, the Loki variants, the old Loki. Oh. Um, but yeah, he just posted on uh, social media. Uh, very sad. And uh, Greg Leakes, the husband of um, Bravo reality series Real Housewives of Atlanta, sadly passed away at the age of 66. Um, Siddhar Sukula, popular Bollywood actor, reality TV star in India, sadly had passed away at the age of 40. And veteran weatherman from the Today Show, Willard Scott, mm. also had passed away at the age of uh, 87. He was with the Today Show um, for 35 never, years, never and he worked with NBC for 65 years. Dude. Crazy. Isn't that crazy? Well, wasn't he like the original Bozo or something? He was actually the original Bozo the Clown in the 1950s show uh, yeah. Afternoon. He would appear in McDonald's commercials as the character. Um, yeah, you're right. Very, very good. And also, Girls Aloud singer Sarah Harding sadly had passed away due to breast cancer. Um, the British-Irish pop girl group. Um, if you're not familiar with them. Um, so rest in peace. Uh, go out to those um, those talents. Um, you missed one. Did Ed, I miss one? Ed Asner. We, 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 we gave oh, him yeah, a shout-out right. last week. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. Ed Asner was at the top of our list because he's actually been on our show. Oh, gotcha. Oh, yeah, shit. that was yeah. We've had it as Asner right after his first season of Cobra Kai, the publicist, the publicist of um, of Ed Asner happened to work with us uh, with other talents, and we were like, we got to get Ed. You know, it's okay, but you know, he he doesn't stay up. Uh, you know, you got to maybe do a different time slot. And I was like, okay, we'll work with other time that <laughs> Ed. You know, because he. Uh, but he was cantankerous. He was funny. He made us laugh. And uh, 
yeah, Ed Asner will be missed. And yeah, we did give him his uh, proper shout out last week on Below the Belt. Um, but we'll definitely celebrate life for some birthday shout outs. Happy birthday to um, Julie Kavner from The Simpsons. She's 71. Uh, Michael Emerson from Lost is 67. Um, Leslie Jones from Saturday Night Live is 54. Um, Angie Everhart is 52. Um, Shannon Elizabeth from American Pie, 48. Ooh. He's that old now? I feel I old know, now. Right? Yeah. Damn, man. I know. Right? I was like, damn. Uh, Olivia Hudson. Oh, sorry, not Olivia Hudson. Oliver Hudson from Nashville is 45. And um, Kate Hudson's brother. Uh, actor Devin Sawa from Final Destination is 43. Uh, Benjamin Hollingsworth from Code Black is 37. H uh, and Rachel Evan Wood from Westworld. Happy birthday, Rachel. She is 34. And Jonathan Majors from Lovecraft Country is 32. That's birthdays. Mm. That's birthdays today. Um, but yeah, um, and yeah, celebrity service birthdays next week. We're gonna do a birthday. Oh, well, next week we're going to do a uh, a birthday uh, birthday uh, show, I guess, of sorts, and lots of drinking will be involved. And nice. And Are you going to do a drunken uh, birthday show? So uh... yes, drunken birthday show. Everybody must drink. It's like it's a requirement. <laughs> and uh, fuck it, as many people that is available that wants to join in, love to have you. Um, that that concludes, I think, tonight's Below the Belt show. But before we wrap up, I wanted to throw out any plugs, any last-minute plugs, films, TVs. Jesse, I know you got other podcasts to promote, um, appearances. Let's throw it out. Uh, uh, yeah, you go ahead. <laughs> Big Paul, you want to start? Um, I'm thinking about maybe bringing the Outsiders back to some degree, but not. Uh... And um, I want to keep a friend of mine and and my prayers. I mean, she's going through a lot. So, I mean, I don't want to mention her name, but she's an actress okay. from uh, the DMV area. Okay. Going through a rough time right now. Well, our well wishes go out to your friend for sure. Thank you. Yeah. You're also, uh, you've also been on set on the popular, uh, oh, sorry, on the new uh, series being shot in Baltimore, right? Oh, yes. Um, we I'd own the city. Yep. We own the city. I mean, he does. I mean, to be honest with you, the lead does an awesome job. I mean, he's like nice to everybody. He's just pretty cool, laid back. We got Jamie Hector. We got John Bernthal. We got Josh. Well, I'm talking about John Bernthal. Okay, John Bernthal. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it just as I said, he just seems cool to everybody. He's laid back, and I mean, just a class act. I, unlike every character he plays in every show, because he's usually playing an asshole most of the shows he's in. But yeah, like <laughs> Shane from Walking Dead. Actually, I want to sh- throw a shout out to. A friend, uh, Trey Cheney, who plays Poot in The Wire, he actually got a role on oh, uh, We Own the City. So uh, congratulations. Right. And uh, yeah, big shout out to Trey Cheney. We got to have Trey back on Below the Belt Show. It's been a while. We had a great time at Sundance, Trey and I. We did some interviews for Click on this show, affiliated okay. show, Below the Belt Show. Um, and yeah, partied, partied like rock stars. We, with the Charm City Sundance party, it was one of the dopest, coolest parties I've I've been to. Uh, it was so much fun. Um, I didn't even know they had one of those things. Well, yeah, they had their premiere at Sundance, so um, they're gonna have all the p- films that have their premieres have affiliated um, premiere parties. So, cool. 
which is always a good time. So, but yeah, man, let's hope, uh, you know, everything, uh, as long as this variant doesn't get crazy, we can party again at the Sundance film festival. I highly recommend if you haven't been to Sundance guys to experience it because it's, it's such a treat, man. You know, just being amongst industry, people in the industry, um, and all, all this in this beautiful mountain town in Utah. And the parties are phenomenal. It's open bar, swag bags, catered. I mean, like, and, you know, you get to all go to all these cool film festival, film, you know, film screenings and premieres. And you know, there, don't you have to make a film or something? Or I don't think you could just go. Well, yeah, you can go and attend these screenings. The, the, okay, the, okay. Some, I didn't yeah, realize some that. These, some of these premieres are actually open to the public. Yeah. No, yeah, the party, parties, parties, parties are a little different, but you can go to the screen. Oh, that's cool. If we say we, if we say we work for Below the Belt show, can we get into the party? That might work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse, you got anything to promote before we uh, end tonight's show? Uh, we got a film rescue podcast. Um, we have a new episode that we just recorded for the Tomorrow War, which was terrible. Um, <laughs> we take bad movies and we basically pitch the hypothetical better version of it. The most recent episode that came out was for Army of the Dead, where I had to fix that because the movie's basically broken. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> that's, thanks, a, that's the ugliest to movie too. Christelia is. Uh... Oh yeah, expressions uh, contributed to that because they had to work yeah. around all that bullshit. <laughs> That's kind of a thing we have on the current season of Film Rescue: is that who would you recast in this movie, except as uh, being played by Tignataro? Like every movie is like, who would you recast? <laughs> so, all season, every movie is like, who would you recast? Tignataro and everything. <laughs> Tignataro and everything. Yeah. Awesome. And Vince Eisenson. I got I got nothing to promote. The only thing I'll say is uh, we didn't mention clickbait on Netflix. So I'll, I'll promote that. I have no connection to it. But that was a fun. It seemed like a cheesy, guilty pleasure uh, whodunit. But actually, it, it, it got me. And I did not predict it. And I would not imagine anyone will predict this one. So I recommend it. You recommend it, but you're not in it. Yeah, I have nothing to do with it. It's a okay. totally selfless recommendation of a cool show I liked. In the yeah. meantime, you can check out TurfValleyShow.com. That's right, TurfValleyShow.com. I got to make sure that's correct. Is it Turf it Valley is. Show? Turf I Valley checked Valley. it. You checked? Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, myself and Vince are on set this week, and Paul, you're on set this week as well? Uh, not this week. Uh, they put me back, so, I mean, maybe next week. Jesse, uh, when are you back on set? Uh, I am not on any of the shows currently filming. Um, I'm working on a TV show, uh, I think in two weeks called gun stories. Um, I'm working on that for four days. Are you so also, aren't you also working on Rustin, the Obama produced higher ground productions? I believe they're doing a recreating the, uh, Martin, Martin Luther King. I had a dream speech. I, I haven't even heard of this. <laughs> okay. It must, I yeah, it's, it's advertised on dragon off. Yes. I submitted. Have you heard about that already, Al? I haven't heard anything yet, no. Okay. I I submitted too. I mean, I don't think anybody has. I heard from White House plumbers coming up. It was a bad date, so I couldn't do it. Uh, Okay. Okay. (laughs) Awesome, guys. Well, guys, this has been a tremendous show from top to bottom, man. Um, I'd like to thank uh, everybody on the panel, including Jesse Fresco, 
the hardcore bloodshot. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Darth Darth Wallace. <laughs> Darth Wallace. For a little while, but um... Yeah, good to have you back. Thanks. And of course, actor extraordinaire, Vince Eisenson. Thanks for uh Yeah, we weren't sure if you're gonna make it and you're like, I think I'm available. I'm not on set, so <laughs> <laughs> And my call time's not early, so I'm 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 cool too. I'm good to go. But um, closing tonight's show, um, I thought it would be cool to play an amazing pre-recorded interview I did with an independent filmmaker named Michelle Bossy. We actually interviewed the lead actress Jacqueline Bethany for her film Under the Lantern Lit Sky, which was a fantastic film noir. Um, she's got a short film. Again, it's called Klutz. Um, all about um, a woman who is a novelist that loses her sister and with losing that connection with her sister develops some anti-powers and basically can control gravity to a degree. Um, Hence the title is Klutz. Um, We talk about that film and more. And of course, we also have to end with a classic cut. Of course, King Yee's Chachi's number flies on here. So I'm going to choose the classic cut this week. Um, I got to check out a really cool tribute band. Now, tribute bands are you know, kind of like the cooler name of a cover band. Cover band's kind of like, eh. I like yeah. the name tribute band. This was this band's called Fade the Black, and they were phenomenal. They are a Metallica cover band. They're a fan of Metallica. These guys really, I mean, oh, cool. everything from the guitar to the lead singer's voice. Phenomenal. I mean, the voice, I would say, fairly comparable to James Hetfield. They're really, really good. So I figured I'd play one of my favorite Metallica songs called Unforgiven. You guys know that song. I know mm-hmm. yep. Paul might know that song. So we're going to end tonight with I Unforgiven. I sing that song. You sing that song, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Want to sing a couple bars right now, Big Paul? Before I'm, not, I'm not in the mood to sing right now. Okay. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but yes, uh, here's, so here's Metallica Unforgiven, followed by my exclusive interview with Michelle Bossy, director of the film Klutz, and Malika Wallach, the actress, uh, the star of Klutz, um, ending tonight's Blow the Belt show. So, on behalf of Jesse Fresco, Vince Isaacson, Darth Paul Wallace, I'm Al Celebrity Soto. We will see you guys next week. Until then, see ya. Peace. Never shine through what I've shown. Never be, never see. Won't see what might have been. What I felt, what I've known. Never shine through what I've shown. Never free, never be. So I dug the Special interview time here on Below the Belt Show with actress, producer, extraordinaire, Malka Wallach. Um, for just checked out this amazing short film called Klutz, which is going to be part of Dances with, with Films uh, in Los Angeles, a uh, independent film festival. Um, the film screens Saturday, September 4th. So for those of you in Los Angeles, uh, you got to check out this in-person screening on Saturday. But nonetheless, we are welcoming actress extraordinaire Malka Wallach. Thanks for joining us on BTB. And of course, we'll be welcoming the director, Michelle Bossy, a little later in the program. I actually got a chance to see Michelle's feature 
Under the Lantern Lit Sky. I which haven't was even seen it yet. Which was fantastic. Um, and talked to Jacqueline Bethany, uh, who's the star of that. Uh, however, we're going to focus on Klutz. Um, it's a short film, which after watching it, I, I felt like it, it could actually be expanded to a feature. There was so much going on. Um, exploring this uh, supernatural uh, power, if you will, of of being able to defy gravity or control gravity um, that your character Zoe has, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was um, actually just talking to my partner about it, and I was trying to come up with like a word for the kind of power that it is. And yeah, he sort of was like, "Well, antiheroes are like the heroes that you sort of root for for weird. Like it's sort of like an anti-power. This sort of like." Um, you kind of want it and it kind of brings you what you think you need, but at the same time, it has its own consequences and its own dangers and its own pains. And so I'm sort of like, Ooh, anti-power. I kind of, I, you know, I think that's kind of what it is and that struggle of whether or not it's something you want. Um, Right. That's a very uh, good way to describe it because it's, the anti-powers due to the loss of your sister. Yeah. Right? Um, and uh, it doesn't manifest until your sister passes away, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So because of that, you your character decides to write um, a, a novel or a story based children's on um, book. experience. Right, like or more of a children's book based on it, going to pitch meetings and, and doing that. Um um, and then, uh, yeah, I, I, I love, I, I just really want to see more, but I, I think uh, the short film is perfect. Uh, Thank you. Um, and the story is great. It's very clever. Um, the cinematography, fantastic. Thank you. And um, wow, a lot of familiar faces in your film. Uh, yeah. Geneva Carr, who stars in Bull. Yeah. Um, we have Jeffrey oh. Owens. Uh, oh, the show. I love him. Did a lot of uh, stuff with uh, Tyler Perry. Um, you have Angel Desai, who's been on Blue Buds and NCIS New Orleans. So, uh, tell us a little bit about, as a producer, I guess, uh, you, um, were able to, I guess, cast yourself. Is that yeah. kind of how it works? <laughs> and then from there, you kind of, you kind of seek out the rest of the cast. Tell us about that process. Yeah. So we all, the team comes from heavily from like a theater, a New York City theater background, and when we were casting it, it was a lot of who do we know, whose work do we love, and who do we think will respond to the script and thus be excited to do a project that might be, yeah. you know, a little bit below their normal pay grade. Okay. Um, yeah. And I think it was, you know, I think it really was the like Liz's script that drew everybody in. I think they read this story. They responded to it. I think it's, you know, grief is something I, you know, I think in hindsight now, post pandemic, I think grief is something we're all collectively experiencing. Absolutely. Um, But I think even at the time, we've all experienced small, large griefs. And I think past just was like, yeah, I get it. And I think there's also, you know, a lot of there's, you know, these literary agents. And I think a little bit as you know people in our business it's fun to sort of play the opposite side and to play with sort of that power of like no i'm gonna i'm gonna say no to you um which i think uh some of our actors probably had a little fun being on like the flip side of that 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, but I, I think it, it the uh, the script must have resonated with with very strongly the actors and and the uh, agents for them to jump aboard. I mean, Geneva of a series regular on Bull. Yeah. You know? uh, and uh, which is awesome. You have Wai Ching Ho, who, as a Marvel fan, has been in Daredevil, Defenders, yep. and Iron Fist. So, um, yeah, <laughs> tell there, us about there, yeah, tell us about closely working with a lot of these like renowned actors. I mean, they're just amazing. I, I, you know, sitting down as a as a performer, um, yeah, sitting down across from them and working with them, it was a lesson in. It was an acting lesson. It was a lesson in professionalism. It was a lesson in generosity. I mean, it was a long day. We shot um, Geneva, Jeffrey, and Y, and Angel, and Florencia all on the same day. Wow, and holy smokes. That must have been a long day. It was a long day. <laughs> and they were just, they were just in it. They were just like, yeah, we're here to play. There was no stress. There was no, you know, can we move things along? There was Time just restraint. Yeah. Yeah. There was just so much presence. I guess that's like the word that I would want to use from them all. And uh, I just remember why, because I'm also uh, I'm a Daredevil fan. And when why, like you know, the the setting of the scene together, we're sitting in chairs opposite. And when she sat yeah. down across from me, I swear she was like staring deep into my soul. <laughs> and wow. I just felt so safe, so comforted and yeah. like, oh, I can be vulnerable in front of you. And I would say that it was a very similar experience with all the rest of them as well. Um, yeah, they're just, they're just lovely people. And Jeffrey, he's like, a, yes. I, you know, I just he's so lovely and he's a Shakespeare nerd. And again, yeah. right, we come from a theater background, so we were nerding out about Shakespeare, which just, so um, cool. yeah, it was just, it was an unbelievable day. And I was so busy that it, I didn't really have time to like, be like, oh, I'm sitting across from like heroes. Cool. I was just like, had to be in it. And it was, thank God, <laughs> right? Like I would have, it would have been terrible if I'd just been like, I'm supposed to say words, lines. <laughs> instead, I was just, it was just, yeah, it was an incredible experience all around. I can imagine. I mean, and let's talk about Geneva, because Geneva, again, series regular on Bull and, and working with her as well. How was your experience with Geneva? Oh, my God. She's incredible. Yeah. I mean, she, I remember she she came in and she was like, I feel like I'm not prepared. Like, I feel like I haven't done the work. And I was yeah. like, OK. And then she sat down and I'm like, is, what, is this what not working looks like to you? Because, girl, what? I mean, yeah. Just so, again, so professional, so present, uh, so game to play. Um, I think that was like another reason why it was so lovely to have uh, actors with a theater background is that like yes. nobody was afraid to make bigger choices and just to okay. see what was going to happen. Um, yeah, she was just, oh my God, just so down to play and so down to just like be intimidating as fuck for my character. <laughs> so I, I super love, she made my job easy. So you're saying that the theater actors tend to make bigger, bolder choices? I don't know if it's a across-the-board thing, okay. but I think because in theater you tend to have to make at least physically larger choices okay. so that it you know can get across instead of like bringing the camera towards you. I think that 
allowed for like a very particular kind of openness and uh, like, yeah, I'm just going to try something really big and it might not work, but I'm going to try it anyway kind of mentality. Yeah. All right. So shot in New York, mostly Brooklyn, yeah. far Rockaway. Um, mm -hmm. well, so for filming a short, how many production days are we talking? We filmed it in three days. Wow. Yeah. So that was approximately 14 pages in three days. Wow, that yeah. that's quite an accomplishment considering the the scale and the the professionalism of of the um of the film and we're bringing on now on the interview director extraordinaire Michelle Bossi. Hello, thank you so much for uh dealing with my transit issues. Um I'm in New York City and we had a huge storm <laughs> last night. So are, yes, are you I saw in New that. York too, Al? I'm I'm back and forth in New York, yeah, but I am based on the East Coast, yeah, okay. yeah. Michelle, so great to have you because we had Jacqueline Bethany on um, a month or so ago to talk about Under the Lantern Lit Sky, which was a beautiful film, really beautiful film with some crazy uh, twists and stuff. But here we're, we're here to talk about Klutz today, so uh, talk I'm about thrilled. your yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, Malcolm just filled us in with the casting, um, first of all, with working with, with such accomplished actors, including Wai Ching Ho and Jeffrey Owens, who we know for The Cosby Show, and, and uh, um, my gosh, uh, Geneva Carr from Bull. So uh, Michelle, were you involved in the casting process as well? I was. I was really lucky because, um, you know, my collaborators, Malka and Elizabeth Narcisso, yeah. Um, and I, we all come from the theater world. So we have a lot of uh, relationships with people who live in both film and television and theater. And we kind of called in all of our, you know, top, top uh, resources. Yes. We yeah. were really yes. lucky. And so it was just a wealth of talent. And I'm so pleased with the performances, the way everything came through, you know, it, I think the film dances the line between comedy and drama and you know you really need that levity and I think all of our supporting cast really brought that levity so then Malka's character could feel those deep dives and uh and still we wouldn't we wouldn't only live in that one place. All right. So I enjoyed the film. Again, uh, let's talk a little bit about the cinematography because it was it was fantastic. Um and I also was curious about some of the visual effects as well because you did explore the the gravity power that uh, Zoe, the character of Zoe had um, due to the loss of her sister. Um, I was curious how that you made that bike wheel roll on the beach. So, uh, and we're doing an independent film budget. How, how is it? Are there any challenges with doing those kind of effects? Absolutely. Um, the bike wheel, we just, you know, we had a, a terrific crew on the beach. So truly it was just, mm -hmm. you know, winding it up and letting it go and sort of, tracking it after it our dp okay. was really really game so that you know sometimes like the I, i'm so proud of that wheel and the way it looks but sometimes those special effects are so simple um the other special effect the major ones were malka suspended in air yes i had done a little bit of this in the past and um one of the it's great. You can do it on an Apple box or any sort of larger um, uh, uh, piece of furniture that you can rotoscope out in VFX. So one thing we ah. had to do 
we had to plan ahead. We're we're telling you all our secrets, Al. But um, <laughs> I want to know, as someone that works in independent film myself, how 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 can you accomplish that? So this is really great to hear. It's always a little a little you know nerve wracking. Like, will it look as good, right, as as it as you think it will? Um, all of the lighting has to match. There can't be too much movement, right? So you've really got to plan it ahead and. Actually, the woman who did the color correction on our film, uh, mm -hmm. Anastasia Shepard, she did the VFX, so she did a terrific job. And um, it was really, really just making sure that everyone was on the same page, because you can't, you can't sort of cross your fingers and hope that these things are going to look proper. You know, you really, you really have to make, make yourself uh, aware of all of the factors. And the yeah. more VFX I do, the more I realize, wow, how nice it is when you have somebody who really knows VFX on set. Yeah. Through. Wow, fantastic. So, um, yeah, so again, I, I was telling Malka early before you joined, Michelle, that I feel that this short could definitely work as a feature. Um, ha has the writer ever expressed that? Because I want to see more of the more of the the anti-power of the gravity being used. I mean, I feel like Zoe could do so much more <laughs> with, it, with that power, but I, I, it definitely left me wanting more, that's for sure. That's awesome. Malka, do you want to talk about it? I mean, the, the script really started with you and Elizabeth, so. Yeah. yeah. Um, we, you know, what I'll say up, like up front is that we haven't spoken recently about expanding it into a feature, but it's definitely something that we have like, you know, whispered and and um, confabbed before about um, you know the the process of, of writing the script took some took some time. Um, though Liz writes amazingly quickly, um, and her brain works in magical, mysterious ways, which is why her scripts are so magical and mysterious. Um, I would I would love to develop this further. I think um, there's so much room for Zoe's story, um, you know, we get such little bite-sized moments in short films, right? So right. we see a little bit with the agents, we see a little bit with the sister, we see a little bit with the partner. And to be able to expand that and to be able to see like, oh, what does this superpower look like or anti-power look like in a, in a much fuller world, right? Like, you know, which also I think would allow for more comment like I yeah I think that there's a I think there's room for it and I would love to explore it further um but on it but it's you know it's Liz's it's Liz's baby in a lot of ways it's her brainchild and so I think that a lot of that is up to her and further right. conversation. Yeah. was was uh, Liz also present on set um for the, the production of this okay she yeah. had some feedback uh for any direction or did Michelle take the reins on that one I mean you know Oh, Go no, ahead. please. No, no, please, Michelle. She was, she, you know, she's so collaborative. I, I love working with Elizabeth in that way. She actually yeah. did a lot of the um, production design, too, because she oh, has cool. a real, she has a real eye for it. And so she was with us every day. And sometimes, you know, because, because I first worked in theater, I frequently will go over to the writer and say, are we tonally, this is, you know, how are you feeling about the performances? And Liz was really great about, um, you know, if she had a little note here and there, but I also appreciate that she really trusted us and let us do our thing. And I had an idea about how 
a perfect example is I had an idea about how visually I wanted the film to end. You know, I really wanted to see Mara uh, Casson's character lead a walk off with the bicycle. And I said, do you feel like this is too much? Is this what you had in mind? And and she was so lovely about saying, no, I, I really trust you and I'm I'm going to let you take it, take it on. And so that, that was the joy, you know, and that makes me want to work with Elizabeth again and again, because it's really nice to know you can trust the people you're getting into things with, Yeah, you know, it's it's always a little bit of a, how's it going to work out? Nerve, nervous, uh, making thing. Yeah. But when you guys work on the next project, I'm sure that will be, those nerves won't be present for sure. That's right. Yeah. So the, the film will be a part of Dances with Films LA. I'm not, I actually was not familiar with this festival, but apparently it's uh, been around since the late 90s, which has been uh, quite an accomplishment for a film festival. Um, tell us about getting your short uh, film into the DWF. How did that process go? Um, it's I mean, it's a long process, right? Um, applying to film festivals, um, you know, a lot of rejection, which I think is really important to talk about because really? it's just a, a lot of rejection for of, this film. A lot of rejection. Surprisingly, um, yeah. Yeah, which I think is like it's important to talk about because it's so it feels so personal, but is so not personal at the same time. Right. And to be here and see the other shorts that got in, and you know, I think when we were talking earlier about dances with films as like a really great place for it. I remember when I was submitting and we would have like little, like just these short little like meetings being like, okay, because I'm I'm a first time filmmaker and Mara Kassin, our other producer and Michelle have done this a lot more than I have. And I'd have right. little meetings where I'd be like, okay guys, tell me everything because I know nothing. And they'd be like, okay, so this is how it works. And these are and like we go over festivals that they'd been to, that they'd heard of. And Dances with Films was one of those festivals that Michelle has been to before and was just like, I loved it. It's the perfect aesthetic for the film. And their process I loved was they had like a lot of film festivals. You're just you apply and then you hear and they were like, oh, you're in the next round. And they'd ask more information about your process as a filmmaker. And then they'd be like, you're in the next round. What are you hoping to get out of the, you know, the film festival experience? Like, what are your next steps? Which I loved because it started a dialogue that I hadn't yet started with myself, right? Like, what are the next steps for this film? What do we want to get out of it, right? Do we want to make it into a feature? Do we want to try to get it distributed? What, What are we trying to get from this experience, both as people in the industry and as artists. And when that sort of, when that email came through, I was like, oh yeah, these are my people. And so it's very, and now that I'm here, I mean, they're my people. It's such a well-run festival. I, you know, I'm very much an introvert who's like, I don't want to have to talk to people if I don't have to, (laughs) which is like obviously the opposite attitude you need to have at these festivals. But the way (laughs) they've set it up, they just make it so easy to meet people. They make it so easy to interact and to feel at home in something that is so, so much bigger than you are and so much bigger than your individual film is. Um, So I'm very happy to be here. Yeah. Awesome. 
it's also helpful you know once and this is an oscar qualifying film festival so you know oh sweet so once you kind of get that awesome. that awesome stamp of approval it helps you with other festivals yeah. too right sometimes it just yeah. takes that one and now we have four or five net new festivals Domino coming effect. up and yeah. backing them up it's it's really yeah. positive so yeah that's great awesome so obviously that's the thing you want to get it noticed you said it's oscar qualifying it goes to other festivals, and I guess the next step is getting the public to see the film. So, what, what um, are you thinking for as far as distribution or any platforms where everyone can see your film? Yeah, um, I mean, distribution would be beautiful. Um, it's rare with short films, um, right. but it does happen. Um, so, I think the goal is to sort of do as many of these festivals as possible, garner those laurels. Um, and then if we get distribution, amazing, cool, 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 cool. And if we don't find a way to self distribute, basically, like there's ways that you can put your film on Amazon and et cetera, et cetera. And yes, you know what, if Amazon. we have to put it on Vimeo and send links out to our friends, we'll put it on Vimeo and send links out to our friends because it's, you know, it's a film about connection and, and I think we make art to connect. And so yeah. whatever we need to do, even if it's, you know, Typing up emails and being like—that's <laughs> oh, what we'll do. Oh yeah. well, I I feel like the the audience as a whole needs to see, not just our friends and family, right? <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, true, so, true, true. Uh, yeah, so uh, let, you know, I think it's a brilliant, brilliantly written and and well shot, well acted, and I just have nothing but great things to say about this film. So, um, yeah, I, I really think the public uh, needs to see it. So hopefully, so after the festival. Um, and um, if we could talk a little bit, Michelle, about um, that amazing film, Under the Land Lit Sky. It was just fantastic. It was it was art and film. It was basically, and I know there's a lot of challenges with doing period pieces, right? But you guys are just did a fantastic job with that film. Thank That's, you, uh, thank you. Well, I think you always are trying to. I mean, Jacqueline Bethany wrote it, and you've spoken to Jacqueline before. Yeah. You know, to me, um, similarly with Klutz, you know, it they're both about uh, loss in some way, right? It and is, so, yeah, both know, of them, yeah. To me, um, I'm always trying to make sense of my personal experience in some way, and then, like, it become, a, I, I believe, the more specific and the more I sort of dive deep into a, a script or screenplay, the more that I can share my personal story, right? I'm not telling you exactly what happened, but, you know, we had a loss in my family. And and right after I shot, that was, Klutz came right after that, right? And so oh, I was wow. like, oh my gosh, this is like exactly the film that I need to be making. And then, you know, I, I went through a really big heartbreak. And right after that, I made Under the Lantern Lit Sky. And I'm not saying that you have to have like these crazy things happen to you in your life in order to be a yeah. But so was can I can I say that it would have to do very similar to the plot of a, a, Under the Lantern List Guy? Were you involved with someone that ended up being gay, but initially was maybe thought he was straight? Was that the oh case? Oh my gosh, or? Al! Yes, I was. Okay. Yes, I was, and it was it was a heartbreaker. I had no no idea, much mm -hmm. like the main character in Under the Lantern List Guy. So, you know, mm -hmm. what what is so incredible to me is like these these are almost things that you'd see a film like Klutz or you'd see a film like Under the Lanternless Sky and you'd be like, this doesn't happen in real life. But actually, 
like the human experience is so nuanced and varied. Yeah. And there's so many wild things that happen to us as I, I mean, just walking around this earth, you know, who could have planned what we've all been through as, as a human race in the last two years. And, and so I feel like we, we make art to make sense of mm-hmm. the things that we've been through in our lives. Yeah. You know, like to me, that's what, what, the gift of being a director has given me is that I don't have to have this experience all by myself. You know, I don't have to carry this by myself. I can, I can direct a film and you can see it and you can say, God, that, that reminded me of this experience I had when I lost somebody or I loved somebody. It didn't work out. And, and we all kind of then have this shared experience of being a human and, um, you know, I think Under the Lantern, when I was directing it, when I was going through that process, my mother was like, is this the best film for you to be directing right now? And I said, you know, it's incredibly yeah. healing, actually, because you get to kind of give your characters the ending that you, you know, you wish you had. Or you get to sometimes you get to, like, make peace with things that might yeah. not necessarily be peaceful in your own life, you know. So I, I know even with Elizabeth Narciso writing Klutz. You know, she was, it's a, for her, it's a metaphor for something else that she went through in her life. Right. And so it's remarkable to me that, you know, I, I didn't say, oh, Elizabeth, you know, here's this thing that happened to me and, you know, like put pen to paper. She said, wow, I, I lost someone in my life, someone significant. And now Uh, I'm going to tell this story. And then I said, yes. And I, I, I will also put, put my experience on top of that. And then, you know, and I think that's why it really why a film can really resonate with an audience or, or an individual, they can say, Oh yeah, yeah, that that's true. That's real. I mean, Even if all of us, like, yeah, all, all of us, all of us has, has experienced loss of some kind. Yeah. You know, whether it's a friend or family member. Experience. Yeah. And, and yeah. a lot of us still feel like they're still in our lives and spirit, whether what religion you fall into, but, um, and that you're still in con- constant communication with, with said person. So I yeah. feel like, again, both Klutz, under the lanthorn lit sky, there's a lot of human elements. So, um, again, very, very, very uh, great job on, on both projects. Yeah. I was also looking on your IMDb, Michelle. You have a project called Melissa Center is marrying Jake Gyllenhaal. Are, are, <laughs> can we talk about that project? Yeah, yeah it's actually just running, uh, finishing its run in um, okay. Edinburgh right now. It's okay. It's a a play that we shot during pandemic. So it's sort of like a special event kind of. Oh, cool. And it's a one, it's a solo show with, she sings in it, she dances, she acts. And it's about this woman whose mother is well-meaning, but has decided she somehow or another is going to marry Jake Gyllenhaal and has sent him him letters on her behalf and (laughs) stirring, stirring up all sorts of trouble. And, and that's about, um, mothers and daughters and, you know, expectations that are put on people in general to have a life look a certain way. And uh, we all know how that works out (laughs) usually. So um, it's a comedy. Yeah. It's been great. And it's actually, uh, I wonder what Melissa Center's plans are for it next. I definitely came in as a director and and Mm -hmm. less as a producer, but um it's had a couple of runs and hopefully one day she'll get to do it in person. That would be the ideal thing. Awesome. Of course. Uh, have you heard any feedback from Jake? 
<laughs> no, but I guess I guess he knows. You know, they have some some mutual like six degrees of separation from Jake Gyllenhaal. So yeah, no no uh, no issues yet, but also no um, no love letters coming the other way yet. So we'll okay, see, you know, too well, maybe too soon to tell. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Jake just simply needs to see it, you know? Yeah, and, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, what about that? I mean, one for one production, he actually just jumps on stage. <laughs> you know, it's, I love it. Shocks the audience. <laughs> I love it, Al. You have the whole idea. That's great. <laughs> well, uh, wow, this has been a great interview. I would like to thank, of course, both of you, Malka Wallach, Michelle Bossi. Um, lots of luck with Klutz. It, again, it's a... Uh, it's a brilliant, brilliant short film. And, um, of course, it's going to be a part of Dances with Films L.A. So uh, for those of you in the Los Angeles area, make sure you check it out September 4th. Um, otherwise, we will hopefully stay tuned for um, distribution or ways that everyone can see this great film. So uh, we thank you so much. And, of course, before we end uh, the interview, if you could both of you just let us know who you are. Um, a plug for Klutz. Um, let us know you're on Below the Belt Show, uh, the podcast, um, and whatever you want at the end. Great. Malka, you want to go first? You're the actor. Sure. Oh, no. <laughs> Pressure. <laughs> Hi, I'm Malka Wallach. I'm the actor and producer of Klutz, premiering at Dances with Film September 4th at 4 p.m., and I am on Below the Belt Show, and it has been a blast. Hi, I am Michelle Bossy. I am the director of Klutz, which is having its world premiere at Dances with Film Festival in Los Angeles, California on September 4th. And I am on I am on Below the Belt show. All right. Thank you so much. And I, I flubbed. Do you want me to do it again? That, that, I can't. Um, you know, I, mean, <laughs> I think we can work on the editing on that one. <laughs> All right. All right. As we do, yeah. <laughs> Like a boss, Michelle Bossy. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure you're anything but bossy on set, right, Michelle? You're not what your last be, name. I try to be the antithesis of my name, so I don't okay. get a bad reputation. But, uh, you know, if I have to, I will. I mean, she's the workhorse, okay? <laughs> okay, that's she's the like the greatest director I've worked with, so. Uh, you both are wonderful and both very lovely, so thank you very much. Thank you, Thank you so for very the much. opportunity. Thank yeah. you so Bye-bye. You well, it has been a ill show tonight, and I think we have all learned some valuable lessons. This is your bot for the bad boys of Baltimore saying, until next time, keep chilling like a villain. Bye, goodbye, 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 goodbye.